We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Running backs ran wild in week eight. We saw another London game. We saw the Packers with not not such a bad performance. That and a whole lot more here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Top 10 Reactions podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Our podcast is brought to you by the good folks from No House Advantage. We appreciate their sponsorship all football season. Week eight, we saw some high scoring finally. Uh, you know, earlier in the season, we were talking about how Saquon Barkley was the RB1, but it was the lowest RB1 total in 20 plus years. Yesterday did a lot to cure that, Nick. It certainly did. Yeah, we. I, I mean, even the, the Buccaneers putting up 22 points on Thursday night, uh, which by their standards was an eruption. Uh, maybe that yeah. should have been a sign uh, of things to come. I mean, even the Denver Broncos got over 20 points uh, in the London Monday they game. They still hit their under, though. I noticed they that. Sure did. I was tracking they sure that. Did. Yeah, the Jags were, were you know more than happy to, to make sure that that happened. Uh, but yeah, Panthers-Falcons was a high-scoring game. I mean, the Cowboys, it felt like, you know, had a chance to put up 50 if they really wanted to. On the Chicago Bears, Cardinals, uh, Vikings was back and forth. You know, Miami, Detroit, a lot of fun games this weekend and uh, looking forward to breaking them all down. Yeah, I am too. Let's just get right into it. Let's start with the Thursday game. Uh, the Baltimore uh, completely dominating the second half of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, take, pulling away uh, from from the Bucks. Bucks got that late touchdown to make it look like it was a better game than it was. 27-22. Uh, the Ravens, they just ran and ran and ran some more in that second half. I remember with the Bucks, you never started your running backs against them unless it was like the top five running back. That's no longer the case any long, uh, anymore. Oh, this defense, you know, there are some injuries uh, that they had some more key injuries in this game, but this is not a, a good defense whatsoever. And I actually thought, you know, we were doing our radio show during the first half of this game on Thursday night. I thought Tampa Bay came out with more energy than it has in, in recent weeks and got off to a pretty good start. You know, they end up muffing a punt uh, after forcing a, a quick four and out on the, the Baltimore Ravens first possession. I, I think that maybe sapped a little bit of momentum, but they were able to get a stop there, hold the Ravens to three. They put together, you know, really nice back-to-back scoring drives. And then after that, it was back to the same old bucks, you know, punt, 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 five straight punt drives 
Yep. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're into the fourth quarter. And like you said, Baltimore, we saw two different game plans. I mean, the Ravens were, were throwing the ball maybe a little too much, it felt like, in the first half. Second half, uh, felt like they got back to, to what they know and end up racking up over 230 rushing yards as a team on the yeah. Buccaneers. And at some point to me, I wouldn't say the Buccaneers defense gave up, but, you know, those, those final two or three drives of the game for Baltimore, it felt like they were gashing that defense for, for long runs left and right. Yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake finishing him off with that 40-yard run yep. at the end. I mean, that was just a very tired defense. You know, you, you look at them and you, you just see that, they, you know, they're on the field constantly. But, you know, it was mm-hmm. kind of the, they had themselves to blame a little bit because their defense wasn't stopping Baltimore at all. Uh, you know, it's just, yeah, they were on the field a lot in part because they couldn't stop them. Mm-hmm. 38 minutes to 21, 20, 38 and a half to 21 and a half in times of time of possession. Sometimes time of possession is an overrated stat because sometimes that means the team is catching up. The other team is scoring quickly. Obviously, right. that's not the case here. Uh, the Bucks got the passing yards, but they also, I mean, Brady was sacked and pressured a lot. He didn't get picked in this one. There's a lot of short passes, a lot of underneath. I mean, Baltimore even had 100 yards of penalties to kind of help out a little bit there. Still, it wasn't enough. Uh, rough time in Baltimore, in Tampa. They're they're three and five now. Still tied for first in the uh, NFC South. Someone's got to win that division. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I lied. They're not tied for first. Hmm. The Falcons are in first. We'll get to that. Uh, I'm already making mistakes. First mistake of the podcast, knowingly. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, there'll be more. Uh, but a couple other things from this. <coughs> Andrews got hurt. Bateman got hurt. Edwards got hurt. We don't know if any of them are going to play this week. They play the Monday night game, and then they have a bye after that. So we're going to have a lot to watch for there. Kenyon Drake, 31% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. We're back on that train again, maybe. Ugh, gross. Um, uh. it, it's it's frustrating, but, you know, everybody was running the ball well. Justice Hill ran, ran mm-hmm. it well. Uh, Drake ran it well. Edwards was looking really good before that hamstring injury late, but he was right. dealing with that in practice, too. Yeah, it felt like that almost complicated things more. The fact that, you know, all, all of those guys were running well in the second half, especially it's like, you know, the last thing we need is Kenyon Drake reinserting himself uh, in, into this discussion. And, and like you said, I think it's going to be really frustrating for one week. We got six teams on by in week nine. So you're going to be scrambling uh, in, in one league or another. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll find myself throwing in a bid on Kenyon Drake. I'm not going to feel good about it. Uh, but two of the last three weeks, he's ran really well. And I think this Baltimore a team in this offensive line at least seems to be turning somewhat of a corner. I mean, early on, they were so reliant uh, on Lamar Jackson. It felt like he was the only guy on the team uh, who could run the ball. And, and that's changed over the last couple of weeks. I, I didn't think, you know, Lamar was not super sharp in this game, especially early on. Uh, you know, Baltimore had the, the failed fourth down conversion deep in Buccaneers territory near the end of the second or yeah, end of the second quarter. That felt like a potential pivot point. But honestly, I mean, this Tampa Bay offense, you just no faith. No faith, nope. right? It, it seems like they're trotting out onto the field knowing that they're going to go three and out. You know, it was just, it's not what you're used to seeing with Tom Brady, uh, who, as you mentioned, did not get picked off in this game. Could have been picked off probably four times. Uh, you know, a lot of throws that were just well off target, not the type of throws you're used to seeing from Tom Brady. But it's it's astonishing to watch, you know, this much talent. Mike Evans, right. Chris Godwin, um, you know, we've kind of been comparing the Bucks and the Packers, two teams that have struggled on offense with, with aging quarterbacks. At least with Green Bay, you could say, look, it's it's you know Samari Toure and, and Romeo Dobbs. It's not Mike Evans and Chris Codwin who you can't get anything going with. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right there. Um, the Bucks they get a home game against the Rams. That won't be easy, uh, especially as the Rams are going to be a pretty desperate team right now. 
and, and Baltimore, as we alluded to, is on playing the Monday night game at New Orleans. By the way, weird schedule next week. There, are, you know, it, it, there's there's six teams on by, so you're going to get the, a little bit of a split. But there are eight early games, two games in the afternoon only. Uh, it's just I, I can hear uh, you know my buddy Kevin Payne railing about this schedule here. Let's have some balance here. Only two teams, and they one's at 105, one's at 125. You're going to have all these dead spots in red zone. It's going to be it's just brutal. I think the NFL really wanted to kind of isolate this Rams Bucks game when they put the True. schedule together, thinking True. thinking that this would be a huge you know marquee maybe, maybe matchup. These teams are like six and two, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, some of the luster has worn off that game. Uh, but it, it's it's a it's going to be a fun matchup nonetheless because you know the Rams are also in that bucket of teams. Uh, like Green Bay and Tampa, who, who have wildly disappointed. They're coming off of a, another tough loss this yeah. past week after a bye. Um, you know, I, I don't think you could say the loser of, of that Rams-Bucks game uh, is, is like eliminated from playoff contention, you know, especially because the Buccaneers are still favored uh, by a relatively high margin to win their division uh, playing in the NFC South. But, I mean, this is a, a big-time like panic meter game, I think, for both teams. Is, you know, one of these teams is going to continue skidding uh, next week. So there's there's really... There's no path out. And, and really, I mean, I, I think the Rams and the Bucks are in, in that same bucket with Green Bay where you look at it's like, what game would you even consider you know, to be a lock victory at this point? I don't even know if that exists for those teams. No, I agree. I absolutely 100% agree with you on that one there. Uh, two other media notes. Uh, one, this game's on CBS for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a crossover game. I'm sure CBS bid high on that there. You know, they get to choose some games. Uh, Buffalo, Kansas City was uh, the first, probably first pick. This was probably high on the pecking order, though, too. Uh, very interesting to see that. Uh, and two, I, I had to miss the second half. I, you know, I actually didn't watch the game while we were doing the broadcast. Wanted to focus, and I was dealing with lag issues anyhow. So I decided, well, I'll just watch it later. Rewatching a game on Amazon is a horrible, miserable experience. <laughs> you know, you can record the game. You're supposed to be able to fast forward, pause, etc. Every time I fast forwarded. I would get booted out of Amazon. All right. It wouldn't work. It was just it it was a horrible, miserable experience. It was, and you can't, you know, if you have Sunday ticket, you get the shortcuts and you can do it that way. Nope. You can't do that for the, this, the Island game. So it was blacked out for that. So it, it was really a miserable, terrible experience. I would not recommend zero out of 10. Uh, I, well, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, you know, and, and like you said, there's no real workarounds uh, given how that game is, is isolated on Amazon. Um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. next week or, or this week, we'll, we'll have to go back to, uh, you know, tried to stream it concurrently uh, while doing the radio show. But but as you alluded to, that that's created some issues of its own. But um, yeah. Eagles-Texans on Thursday night this week. What a matchup. Yeah, another one. Can't miss. Uh, <laughs> we'll t- can't wait to talk more Texans later on in the show. Um, all right, let's move on uh, to the next game on our list. Uh, let's go. Unfortunately, we have to talk Jaguars. Get them. Get do we, uh, do we have to talk Jaguars? I don't know. Maybe this at is the week we At what point in time did it. you know what was going to happen, Nick? That's a really good question. Um, I, I would say probably right around the time that Trevor Lawrence threw the goal line pick. I, yeah, I, that, that was kind of when I started doing my games. rounds. And yeah, I kind of started texting my buddies like, yep, just want to let you guys know, give you a little tip here. Uh, if you can live bet the Broncos, I would do that right now. Uh, there's usually an inflection point like that in every Jaguars game. And, and that felt like the one. Um, I mean, this was it's it felt like they played the same game now, like four weeks in a row. Um, you know, they, they seem to start really well. They, they put up a stat. Uh, during the game that the Jags are, I think, in first and third quarter uh, scoring margin, they're top three in the league. And in second and fourth quarter scoring margin, they're bottom three in the league. So it's I, I don't know if it's, you know, pre-schemed plays, uh, you know, plays that you have kind of ready for, for the first quarter and, and whatever you adjust to in the locker room and come out with 
uh, in the third, they always seem to do well. If, if things are predetermined and laid out for Trevor Lawrence, I think he can execute. But, you know, it's the, the kind of on-the-fly uh, in-game adjustments, uh, I think, is, is where this team really struggles. And it was another rough game for Trevor Lawrence. I, I spent some time on the Jags message boards, you know, yesterday afternoon. Uh, there were some calls for C.J. Beathard. So I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. That's where we are now midway through the season. Yikes. I, I, I can't get behind that. Um, <laughs> Me neither. Not quite, I'm not quite ready for that. I don't think there's a point to that because no. the season's not really salvageable. No. And there's, there's no development to be had there. It's not like he's the guy you've drafted. You're like, exactly. okay, let's see what we have. It's not like Malik Willis, if he stinks, okay, fine. But we had right. to see it. No, there's, there's nothing to be gained from that. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know what? I, I think that, uh, yeah, first of all, it was against Denver. It is a really tough pass defense. We've That's seen true. every other game, you know, grind to the ground into the muck. So I get that. But yeah, it, it was rough. And the funny thing is, I thought maybe, just maybe, they got that fourth quarter drive. Huge turning point. I'm like, okay, maybe. That was yeah. a really impressive drive. Travis Etienne looks the part, obviously. He looks fantastic, in, in fact. Mm-hmm. Man, just so many mm, mistakes. The goal line yeah. interceptions you alluded to. I mean, you just you can't make that throw. It would it's going to get picked off twice. Exactly, because the player I, was covered too. It's it's the second time he's had that exact play this year. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the the red zone interceptions, the red zone turnovers for the Jags. You know, they they had one last week as well. The ETN fumble. Uh, it's it's just tough to recover from that for for a team, especially going up against this defense. Um, you know, you only have so many chances. You know, to to punch in those drives and to right. get. <laughs> to get to the one yard line and, and then I mean, just running that play. I, I don't love it. I don't love it. You know, like you got Lawrence rolling out. He kind of feels like he has to make something happen. I mean, obviously you could just throw it out of bounds. That would be ideal. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but you know, that's kind of where the, there, there's some sort of disconnect in the awareness with Trevor Lawrence, where I, I don't know how that hasn't come along quite yet, but you mentioned ETN. That's a huge positive here. Um, I mean, I found myself wondering like, should, should he be carrying the ball this much? I mean, they were really, really wearing him out. In 24 carries yeah yeah it's not like he got injured it was fine made 57 snaps uh essentially touched the ball on like half of the time he was in the game uh ran 23 routes carried 24 times uh he is their offense right now and for fantasy that is fantastic i, I do worry you know long-term viability can he continue to be this kind of workhorse but he looks awesome i mean he hits the hole so hard he's so explosive uh doesn't quite have like you know that next next level top end speed you know it feels like he's been like one step away from breaking some long runs that he ends up uh, being tracked down on but I mean if, if you started ETN this week which obviously I hope everyone did uh, after the James Robinson news 24 for 156 tacked on that short touchdown late uh, he was he was fantastic and then you know doing that against this defense I think is really encouraging it is it really is um, I wouldn't worry about Christian Kirk and his low number I mean he had Sertan on him the whole yeah. time uh, yeah except for the play where I think the final interception it was an it, it wasn't Sertan that picked, uh, had him covered but it was covered nonetheless but i think there'll be better matchups coming up for kirk in the future so and i'm encouraged enough by uh ingram he did have his uh he had a nice catch had the touchdown did have one drop that was a pretty bad drop if i recall correctly uh but nonetheless um yeah it, it, it's, it's tough times there they still they now the second year running they play a london game and then they don't take the bye they're home again this week yeah kind of strange decision uh, there by the Jags, they get the Raiders, which it, once again, this is like the third straight week or really the fourth straight week. If you want to count that Colts game where you, you, you just feel like it's two teams that are in kind of somewhat similar positions and you yeah. know, the Giants are the exception there. Although, um, you know, I was just kind of been waiting for someone to take down the Giants and we'll get to that Seattle game 
later on. But Jags Broncos is like a nightmare matchup of two teams that you don't trust. Uh, Jags Raiders with the Raiders coming off of a you know, complete shutdown, uh, twenty four nothing in New Orleans last week. Uh, what a, what a game we will be treated to at noon on Sunday. That's going to be a tough watch for me. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, can't wait, can't wait. Cue yep. up Bart Scott. Yeah, there. well, then the week after that, Jags are at the Chiefs, so that yeah. that might be that might be the final straw on this season. Yeah. By the way, it's all not it's not all sunshine and roses for the Broncos. Early on, it was just a very mockable game. Yep. Uh, there are tons of penalties, by the way, on both teams. Uh, we, we had like a taunting penalty, always popular. You know, r- way to charm those London fans. Bring in a new audience by flagging taunting. Um, there is also Russell Wilson making some just really bad throws, but he made some big ones late. Uh, much better player in the second half, obviously, than the first half. First half was just hideous. Yeah, he had a really bad interception. Uh, I believe it was Tyson Campbell uh, who picked it off. Um, just just a really bad underthrow. Was never really open. Um, not really sure what he was going for there. But you said it. I mean, Russ was fired up in the second half. Like th- that late touchdown drive to take the lead. Um, you know, hit a big one to KJ Hamler right away. It was like a fifty yarder. All of a sudden, they're they're deep in Jags territory, um, and that's where we've seen Denver struggle so often this season. Is they've they've been able to get down. You know, kind of inside the forty yard line or so. And that's when things go crazy. So I, I think for Denver to, to finish off that drive, uh, they left, I, I thought, you know, potentially too much time for the Jags. Of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence came out and immediately threw a pick to end the game. So that was no big deal. But um, I, I think if you're Denver, you know, like I'm watching that game thinking like, do they want to take more time off? Do, you know, should they kind of run it down? I think if you're the Broncos, you're just like, look, we have had so much trouble scoring in the red zone. We just need to yeah. punch this in. We can't, be, we can't be worried about the clock. Uh, and that's really how I felt like they finished off that last drive. And I mean, this feels like a, our season is still somewhat alive win for the Broncos. I'll be interested to see if they do end up selling off any parts uh, before the deadline tomorrow. But um, I don't know. I mean, you look at the upcoming schedule, you're going into a bye this week coming off of London. That's great at Tennessee in two weeks. It's not going to be easy after that Raiders and Panthers. I think you look at those as, as winnable games. Um, So it's not over for for the Broncos. And to me, it really felt like had they lost this game. And and this was some of the messaging from the organization too, with regard to, to guys like Bradley Chubb, like, had they lost this game, I, I think they were going to enter uh, our season is over territory as far as how they handled this roster. Right. And they might have left Hackett on the tarmac in London, too, for that matter. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it's not the, it wouldn't be the first time someone's gotten fired after a London game. So, uh, you know, it, it would uh, you know, that, that's something that would have been I don't know. I would have been amused to see it. Other takeaways. Dolchich looks like the looks the real deal. Um, yep. Five targets, but four catches and huge on that one drive. Two huge plays in a row. Uh, Cortland Sutton looked terrible. Missed a block on a screen where he just whiffed on the guy. Had a bad drop later really on. Really bad drop. Yeah. Uh, Judy looks, you know, Judy looks more connected. Used to be that, you know, Russ would lock in on Sutton. That wasn't the case this yeah. week. No, not at all. And yet, like you said, Judy, six for 63 on seven targets. Also had the touchdown. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, they you know, kind of got him involved on a creative kind of reverse toss type of play. Uh, which you haven't really seen from this offense quite yet. And, you know, Judy had had some comments that he wanted to be more involved. So uh, good to see that they're, they're making that effort. You still hear his name tossed around in trade conversations. I don't really see the Broncos parting ways with him. I, I, don't, I think this is, this is far from an Elijah Moore type of situation. So I'd be pretty surprised, you know, barring some sort of Godfather offer uh, if they part ways with Judy before tomorrow. Yeah, I, I never got that talk, to be honest with you. Um, I, I understand, you know, they, they have uh, an inflection point, a contract at some point in time, but 
coming up in the future, near future, but I, I still think he's too valuable. I would not, I would not be looking to trade him. I'd be looking to build around him. Um, our sponsor uh, is no house advantage. No house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, it's also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right, we're breaking down week eight. Nick Whalen and I here. Let's talk about one of the fun games of the week. It was a fun, dumb, bad game, but it was super fun. Carolina, Atlanta. This game was over 17 different ways. It sure felt like it. It certainly felt like it. As soon as DJ Moore ripped that helmet off, you just you knew that call was coming. You see it like once every couple of years, it feels like we get something like this. And you knew for a fact, I think everybody watching is like, there is no way he is making this extra point after that penalty. Yeah. There's, there's some sort of like karma that comes into play there. Uh, but I mean, Carolina should have won this game. Uh, you could also make the argument that Atlanta should have won this game like four different times uh, before it even came down to that final play. I, I mean, Carolina gets the ball back with like 35 seconds left in the game, uh, you know, down by, by six at that point. Uh, of course, you give up a 62-yard pass to DJ Moore for that touchdown. That was like the longest uh, air yard pass, uh, completed pass, I should say, in the NFL next-gen stats era. Um, right, so it's like 76 yards throw. in the air, right? Yeah, unbelievable throw by P.J. Walker, unbelievable catch by D.J. Moore. Uh, you know, uh, can't do that, taking your helmet off. I, I don't love that rule. I don't think anybody does, but Stupid um, obviously you understand it. Um, and then, I mean, even in, in, in uh, overtime, you know, Atlanta wins the toss. You feel like, okay, they're going to put this to bed. They'll at least get a score here. End up throwing an interception uh, pretty deep in their own territory. Carolina misses another kick, and then finally young Wei Koo, uh puts the Panthers out of their misery, but – Super, super fun game. And I think this kind of echoes the belief that we hit on last week that, you know, I, I think Atlanta was a four, four and a half point favorite. I, I just don't think there's that big of a difference between these two teams. And especially with the way that Deontay Foreman is running for Carolina. I, I mean, obviously he's not Christian McCaffrey, but it doesn't feel like there's been this dramatic drop off for them. No, no, not at all. In fact, I mean, they've looked better offensively the last two weeks. I mean, oh, yeah. PJ Walker for a while struggled, but man, I mean, that's throw. Baker Mayfield does not make that throw. Oh, Sam no. Darnold does not make that throw. First oh, of all, no. neither of them get out of the pocket to be able to buy that time <laughs> to be able to do it in the first place, let right. alone have the arm strength to get it that, that distance there and, and perfectly in stride. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just, and, and what, by the way, what the heck is, are the Atlanta DBs doing on that play is another thing. Uh, uh, we we so saw that a couple times. We, we saw that in the Colts game as well. You know, Stefan Gilmore allowing McLaurin to get behind him. Yeah. Um, you have one job. You have one job in that scenario. And, you know, as we sit here as, you know, full disclosure for everyone listening, I have not played in the NFL. Um, so right. I, I just want to make sure that, that we're clear on that. But it, it's it's just, it's obvious in this situation. Like a field goal doesn't hurt you. It doesn't matter. Give up, you know, let, let them catch that ball at, at the 30 yard line and, and, and try to, you know, get some rack yardage. Like it just, the only thing that hurts you there is a touchdown. Yeah. 
touchdown or some sort of PI or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, crazy, crazy uh, sequence there. DJ Moore's drop on fourth down before that was crazy. I guess it was t- like a micro tip before mm-hmm. that, but still it hit him in the chest. Should have caught yep. it. Uh, and that, and then you thought the game was over then Atlanta didn't ultimately not getting the first down, settling for the field goal, mm-hmm. the dreaded up six. We've seen it where the other team knows they have to score a touchdown. So they play yep. accordingly. Um, you see that happen all the time. And you know, Pinero, I'm sorry. Yes, it was karma, but 48 yards in the NFL in a dome. Mm-hmm. Make the damn kick. And then, of course, in overtime, 34 yards. That's an extra point, a normal extra point. He missed yeah. that too, badly. Wasn't even close. Yeah. Yeah, the second one, I mean, that's really, you know, kind of getting the redemption arc, you know, much closer field goal, like you said. It, I, I did not expect him to miss that one. I'll say yeah. that. You know, the, you kind of had a feeling with the, you know, with the excessive celebration that that maybe that miss was coming in regulation. But yeah, I but... thought he would bounce back. Like you said, in a dome, you know, you're, that, that, that you really don't have to worry about the elements whatsoever. Uh, but it's just been that kind of year uh, for the Carolina Panthers, you know, finding ways to lose these games. Uh, in terms of fantasy, I mean, Foreman, I think, is, is by far the biggest story. 26 for 118 and three touchdowns. Uh, really glad that I left him on the bench in one league. Oh, no. Taylor, who had five fantasy points, I think, this week. Uh, was awful. Lost a, a key fumble that, that contributed to that loss for Indianapolis. He's just been horrific this year. Uh, DJ Moore, two best weeks of the season, back-to-back. This was easily uh, his yeah. best fantasy game, six for 152. Obviously, that, that 62-yarder. Uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but even before that, you know, had five for 90 uh, on 10 targets, which uh, a lot better than what we were seeing from him when Baker Mayfield was under center. Yeah. Early in the fourth quarter, it was like two for 40 and then he caught yeah. fire and it, it was just a completely different setup there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We saw the, emer- Hey, we saw Kyle Pitt. He exists. Yeah. Five for 80. Uh, had the touchdown early and had a big 33 yard uh, reception to help set up a score. Demir bird two weeks in a row exists. Uh, you know, he had a really nice open field play uh, to score that touchdown. So he, he's a big play guy. He's not necessarily a target monster. Negative Drake London, only four catches for 31, five targets. I guess five targets for the Falcons is huge, but they yeah. actually let Mariota throw it 28 times. He get, did get picked off twice. Should have lost the game on that second pick. It was a downfield throw, uh, but he just, it was short. It, it was, it was covered the whole time and it was returned like 50 yards. Uh, that was the big thing on that one there, right. too. Yeah, that one, that should have been the killer. Um, you know, nine times out of ten, at least, that that ends the game. That was a terrible throw uh, by Mariota. And uh, I believe it was C.J. Henderson, ex-Jag, yeah. uh, on the pick there. You know, the running back situation it remains kind of a mess for Atlanta. Um, you know, Algier and Huntley. Yeah, we saw Algier almost double up Huntley in terms of snaps, 40 to 24. Uh, but Caleb Huntley getting the bulk of the carries. That was 16 to 14. Uh, it, it feels to me like they they, they kind of want you know Algier to to be more of the guy, but it, to me it was Huntley who ran better. He was the one ripping off some of those long yards or look long long yard runs, excuse me, in the second half. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he was he was far more effective. Algier was only was the only other, one of the two backs used in the passing game. However, uh, he scored the touchdown on the screen. That was a nice little uh, nice little run off the pass there. Uh, the, the, the thing, though, is Cordell Patterson comes back next week, probably. Yeah. Pointing towards that. So uh, it's going to be a nice muddled mess for us there. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not looking forward to that necessarily. Um, this is a team that's still, you know, I believe a, a couple weeks away from their bye. Um, if they have they already had their bye, am I completely missing this? Uh, oh, no, no, they, they have, have a late bye. They have a week 14 bye. OK, yeah. so, yeah, that's that's going to be a whole nother 
Weird uh, to even go that late on. in the season yeah, with buys. Week 14, I mean, it's crazy. My um, yeah, I thought I was just like my my schedule was was glitching out here, but nope. uh, yeah, the return of Patterson, you know, that further complicates things. And um, yeah, I, I I do feel like I, I've been fairly impressed with with just kind of how uh, you know Huntley and, and Algier look. Like they 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 run hard. I think they passed the eye test for me for sure. I'm very interested to see. You know, I think Atlanta's probably if they if they really admitted it, maybe a little more competitive than they thought they would be right now. I mean, they have a real chance to win this division with how terrible. Uh, the Buccaneers have been. So I, I know early on the messaging was, you know, we, we don't want to put this all on Cordero Patterson. We got some younger backs. We want to work in. I, I don't know, man. I, I think they got, at this point, they have to kind of reevaluate and say, we, we got to make a run for this. Like, even if we don't win the division, we have a legitimate chance to get a wild card spot. So I, I think Cordero Patterson uh, is going to end up being a huge factor once he's back to hundred percent. Right. And starter kit Duke asked, when do they come back? When does Patterson and Damian Williams come back? Maybe as early as this week. Uh, we'll see, but uh, watch the practice reports. Both might return, which, you know, we, Algier and Huntley might be relegated to very minimal duty. So we'll watch and see. I think mm-hmm. Patterson, when he comes back, he's not going to be a workhorse back. It'll be a timeshare. It was even that way before he got hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, he had the 22 carries in week one, which I, I think kind of sent us off into like, okay, well, we were told this would not be the case. Uh, and then it was down to 10 carries the next week, back up to 17 against Seattle. And then he gets hurt against Cleveland. So it has been all over the map, but no, I, th- I think you're yeah. right. I mean, I think Algier and Huntley have ran well enough that there's, there's really going to be no need uh, to pound Cordero Patterson in that much. Even if he's the, I think he's, he's easily the, the most dynamic, the most adaptable of those three, but I, I don't think it's like this massive, massive gap uh, just in, in terms of overall running ability. So yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And I, I think you're also right that there's a pretty good chance we see him in week nine. I mean, he posted a video on Instagram like two weeks ago, looked to be running at close to full speed. At that yeah. point, we haven't gotten a real update since then, but doesn't appear to have suffered any sort of setbacks. No, I don't think so. So we'll watch and see. I think we'll see him back this week. Atlanta hosts the Chargers. Good matchup to run the ball. Uh, Carolina is at Cincinnati next week. Uh, Bears, Cowboys, 49-29 Cowboys. Uh, and it really wasn't that close. Well, it, well actually, it was. In the third it was at times, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was all over the place. I mean, this at first it looked like Dallas might just completely run away with this game. They're up 28 to 7 uh relatively early in the second quarter and credit to Chicago, you know, finding a way that they, they score 10 unanswered uh to end the first half, got a little bit of momentum. They they pick off Dak and then get a field goal um and then come out and and you know, both teams go three and out to begin the second half and then Chicago marches down, uh you know, get gets a penalty, that certainly helps and all of a sudden it's a 5-point game. And to me it felt like that was that was really the point where you say, okay, I mean, it's Dak Prescott. If he's back, he finds a way to lead a scoring drive. You know, this is, this is the Chicago Bears at the end of the day. You got to fend this off. And that's exactly what they did. You know, all of a sudden it's, you know, they go all the way down. They, they get the touchdown. Uh, then they get a defensive touchdown uh, on a play where uh, there's a fumble. Justin Fields looked like he was just kind of confused. He didn't, didn't really touch down uh, Micah Parsons. The defender ends up literally hopping right over him. Uh, Parsons, good awareness by him getting up and, and running that one into the end zone. And at that point you, you kind of felt like it was out of reach, but for a while there, I, I mean, you, you thought the Chicago bears were, were really going to threaten to pull this off. Yeah, they, they were. Uh, and fields has a lot of heart. Uh, yeah. I, he'll make mistakes and his offensive line is hella bad. Really uh, bad. And just the two point conversion. They got to 28, 23 and he just got plastered on the two point conversion. Yep. It was just like, Whoa. I mean, I don't, you're like, get rid of it. But like, he had no time. He just got just crushed on that play. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, the Bears couldn't stop Tony Pollard. Just could not. Um, 
14 for 131, uh, long runs late just to kind of just seal that game away. Uh, You know, it was everything kind of worked out offensively for the Cowboys. That fumble by uh, Montgomery was, uh, or by, uh, yeah, by Montgomery was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Game changing play there. Was it Fields that leapt over Micah Parsons when he recovered it? Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, I thought the the broadcast was kind of giving Fields a decent amount of heat, and like I get it, but um, I, it didn't even occur yeah. to me in, in real time. I just kind of assumed he was down, and yeah, you, you see the replay. Fields definitely did not touch him, did not make an effort to touch him. Uh, I don't know if he's still thinking college rules in his mind or what, uh, but again, really good awareness by Micah Parsons to to realize that and and finish out that play. Um, and nice job by the referees, of course, not blowing that dead as well, because in, in real time, it was a little more confusing, I think, than it looked right. after playing it back. But other than that, solid day for Justin Fields. You know, kind of as we've seen the last few weeks, it feels like he's he's doing more and more of these. All right, it's third and 13 and he finds a way to scramble for a first down You know, early in the year. Uh, we didn't see quite as much as that. I, I think he's become a lot more decisive as a runner, uh, ended up with 60 rushing yards and a touchdown in this game. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. He's been sacked 31 times. That's league high uh, in the NFL, yeah. which for a mobile quarterback, I mean, that's that, that that really says a lot about the offensive line. Like, imagine if he had the mobility of like Matt Ryan, uh, he might have been sacked double that by now, because for as many times as he is sacked, there's twice as many where he finds a way to get out of it. Yeah. Although sometimes the counterpoint is they try to make, you know, mobile quarterbacks try to make plays. Michael Vick yeah. always used to be high on the sack list. A lot. Uh, True. You know, I, I, I saw that happen a lot of times because, you know, you know, the Matt Ryan types theoretically are supposed to get rid of the ball quickly, although Matt Ryan mm-hmm. didn't do that either. Um, but <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> there was that, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a little conundrum there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Khalil Herbert better than Montgomery. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's really a debate. I think he, Herbert has more juice at this point in their, this, their careers. I agree. You mentioned the fumble for Montgomery, you know, maybe that that changes things uh, as far as this workload mm-hmm. split. It was pretty much even. On Sunday, 15 for Montgomery, 16 carries for Khalil Herbert. But yeah, every week, I mean, I, I still do like Montgomery. I, to me, it's not like this huge, huge gap, but I, I think Herbert does have more juice. That's the perfect way to put it. You know, I think he he's somebody that if I'm a defense, I'm, I'm more worried when Khalil Herbert is in the game because I feel like he has the potential to break uh, a long run. And we've seen it already a few times. Uh, you mentioned Tony Pollard. I mean, he made it look really easy. I thought, I mean, that 54-yard touchdown, uh, that essentially, you know, put the cap on this game was really, really impressive. Um, we've, it feels like we've been on this for a long time. Everybody has, I, I think he is uh, dramatically better than Ezekiel Elliott, especially at creating big plays. Uh, though of course, after the game, you know, Jerry Jones said, we go as Ezekiel Elliott goes. So, uh, not expecting this necessarily to, to really change anything as far as what that split looks like when Zeke is healthy. Did you expect him to say anything else though? Oh, I, of course not. I, of course not. I, I just, I, I mean, it, it is what it is, and Pollard's going to be a big part of it still. And there, mm-hmm. or, he already is a big part of it, even when Zeke is healthy. I just people want they they want this. They want the full meal deal. I get it. Uh, we all do. But at the same time, maybe Pollard doesn't stay healthy with twenty carries a game. He's still only got fourteen in this one, for that matter, too, uh, and one 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 reception. So they he you know they, they got a lot of bang for their buck on their plays. That's the other thing. They didn't run a ton of plays. Uh, it's just no. they had big plays. And a defensive touchdown also helps on that far, as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, Chicago dramatically won the time of possession battle. So this is a good example of, you know, like what we talked about on the top of the show. Yeah. It didn't really matter. That that was not not necessarily a good thing that Chicago was possessing the ball all that much. You know, a lot of big plays for Dallas. You know, you tack on a defensive touchdown. Uh, you always need something like that, you know, when you, when you have a game where you put up 49 points. Uh, my only other fantasy note here, 
Uh, Dalton Schultz kind of reemerging. You know, had the injury, yeah. a couple of really down weeks with Cooper Rush. Never felt like they had a whole lot of chemistry, but went five for forty nine last week against Detroit. Caught all five of his targets this week. Catches six of seven targets for seventy four yards. Uh, was targeted a, a couple times in the red zone. Very easily could have had a touchdown uh, in this game, but I like the direction that he's trending uh, now. You know, kind of repaired up with Dak Prescott. Yeah. For sure. Um, we didn't even know he was going to be able to play. That was one yeah. of the things. He was a game-time decision in this one here. Cowboys are off next week. Uh, the Bears are hosting Miami. Uh, before we move on to the next game, uh, the, all of our podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. Here's a couple of their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for your indulgence. We appreciate the Blue Wire Network for hosting all of our podcasts. All right, next game on the list, Miami and Detroit. We talked about this here. Another one of those where bunch of uh, bunch of scoring early. Fourth quarter, strangely. I mean, this could have been a mega shootout, but there was no scoring in the fourth quarter. I think there's a couple of failed fourth downs in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
Miami, I mean, they didn't punt the ball until the fourth quarter. They were they, they had the turnovers, uh, or they, I think what did they they gave up? Yeah, they had the fumble by uh, Sanders, uh, yep. but for the most part, they were rolling. I mean, they you know, Tua just couldn't get couldn't get stopped. Average almost eleven yards per attempt. That that's crazy efficient. We came very close to having points on like the first ten drives of the game. You know, barring that fumble. Uh, which at the time, I mean, it looked like Miami was marching down toward at least a field goal. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, the first 10 drives of this game were touchdown, fumble, touchdown, 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 field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown. Uh, I mean, there yeah. was no defense being played whatsoever by either team uh, until late in the game, as you mentioned. And, you know, I was I was a little skeptical of this over. It was the highest number on the board this past week. I think it was at like 51 and a half, maybe up to 52 yeah. by Sunday morning. And uh, I, I now look foolish for questioning that because it, it hit, I, I think, by the end of the third quarter. But I, I, I thought Miami especially would, would have a little bit more juice on the defensive end. And especially, I mean, obviously they didn't allow a point in the second half. So something changed at halftime. But I was a little discouraged you know, with how they came out in this game. And um, yeah, I, I think on the flip side of that, too, it, you know, I, would, I was really harping on you know, Miami. We think of them as this explosive offense. The yardage is there, but the points really haven't been. That all changed this week. This now, this looked more like the Miami offense that we saw in weeks one and yeah. two of the season, where Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I believe, for the third time this year now, go over 100 yards in the same game. Tyreek Hill, by far, leading the NFL in receiving yards. I mean, he's on pace for, for an all-time season in terms of yardage. So hopefully he yeah, stays he's over 900 the, yards already, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like that's kind of going undercovered. You know, we, we haven't really talked all that much about Tyreek Hill. There's so much Jefferson, Chase, Cup talk that I feel like he's kind of flown under the radar, but having a monster, monster season so far. Uh, and then Jalen Waddle, you know, two touchdowns this past week. Um, those guys have been fantastic. They were, uh, they were being drafted as the, the highest duo uh, in fantasy virtually, you know, all throughout draft season and any concerns that, that both of those guys, you know, wouldn't be able to eat in the same week have been uh, completely eradicated so far. Yeah. Yeah. I remember week one where Waddle like kind of had the one big fourth down play and we're like, oh, you know, they're for, they're really feeding Tyreek. It's not enough room. That's not the case. They're just they're just throwing more. Oh, and they're, they're throwing so efficiently. Only seven in, in, incompletions, no inter no interceptions, two sacks. I mean, a really efficient passing yeah. offense there, which is good because they don't really run the ball all that well. It felt to me watching this game that they they, they kind of were they would run the ball first down, get like two yards run or pass on second down wouldn't go all that well they'd find they kept finding themselves in these third and relatively longs and they kept converting them over and over and over it's like there's Tyree Kill wide open for 15 yards on yep. a third and eight there's Jalen Waddle crossing a, you know crossing the field 20 yards Miami was eight of 12 on third down in wow. this game and it, again in the second half especially it just felt like every single time they needed that conversion uh Tua was able to find a guy he looked great in this game I mean we we in the wake of this, the Lions have already fired their defensive backs coach. Uh, I think this was the final straw uh, for that defense. And you know, sitting at one and six, man, it, it, there was so much optimism around Detroit. Even even though, like through the first three or four weeks, the the win loss record didn't look that great. Um, but this is, I mean, this defense has been abysmal, and it's it's just it's hard to win games. You know, when when you're surrendering that kind of yardage to a you know almost getting to 400 yards in this game. And and as you mentioned, Miami didn't run the ball really well at all. Uh, you know, Raheem, Raheem Mostert had a couple decent carries, but that never really felt like a threat. I mean, Miami did this almost single-handedly through the air. Yeah, exactly. And for that matter, the Lions didn't run the ball all that well. No. DeAndre Swift, five carries, six yards. Yeah. Uh, he did get the receiving touchdowns so that salvaged his fantasy day. Jamal Williams, 
had two touchdowns, so he he had a pretty fine fantasy day. You know, even when Swift is healthy, Williams is going to play a part. I think that's the big takeaway there. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see them. By the way, you said they fired you know the Lions fired the DB coach. Uh, what's next up on the ladder? Defensive coordinator? Or are they going to go all the way to Campbell? I mean, is Campbell's job at in jeopardy? This is only a year two. With a lot is. of good feels. I mean, they're bad. I think it's in jeopardy. I I mean, I I think like you said, he's kind of. I think his personality has taken over the narrative. And if he didn't have that personality, I, I think he would be under a lot more fire. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think the way that he kind of runs this team, it's like he he's positioned himself as this like spiritual leader, you know, put it all on the line every single week. It's hard to, it's hard to look at a guy like that and, and say uh, he's the problem. You know, like when you see, when you clearly see the passion on display, I, I don't think you want to come down on someone like that. It's, I think it's easier to dismiss a coach who, you know, it's kind of you know, grumbles to the media or doesn't really have much of a personality. It's easier to imagine that guy, you know, you say, oh, he's not really doing anything. He's not doing anything right. Like with Dan Campbell, it's clearly not a lack of effort. It's not a lack of preparation, but uh, I don't know if they're just preparing incorrectly or what, but this defense every single week uh, just, just continues to get rolled over. And then even the offense, I mean, look, 27 points, uh, that that's enough to win you a lot of weeks, especially this year in the NFL. But you cannot get blanked in the second half, especially after the way they had it rolling for that entire first half. They scored on every drive in the first half and, and, you know, only had the ball three times in the second half. Yep. And I think it could be a lack of talent or it might be a lack of acumen. You know, it's Mm -hmm. one of the two there and uh, it's hard to figure out which one it is, but uh, you know, or, or maybe a little column A and column B we'll see there, but you know what? You're, you're absolutely right about the personality aspect of it there. The media likes you. Maybe that builds, buys you a little bit of time. Uh, But eventually, you know, yeah, they'll turn, they'll turn on him too. They're to me, they're just kind of in the middle. Like they're not, they're not this super young team, uh, but you know, they're also not a veteran team either. Like they're, they're not a team that you look at and say, let's start over and rebuild. But it's like, what are we really building toward? You know, I I think if if you're Dan Campbell, it's like, is your pitch, all right, give me Bryce Young and we'll see what we could do next year because it feels like that's where Detroit is headed. Like, I think a change at quarterback feels like the next step because I think for a one in six team, like, I think on paper, there's a lot of talent on this roster. It doesn't, it doesn't to me seem like a job that, that feels like a three to five year build anymore. Yeah. Can Bryce Young play DB too? I mean, is he a two? <laughs> is he the, uh, the, is he, uh, the, uh, Shohei of the NFL. Uh, if he's not, if that not, might be what they need at this point. Save him. But, well, it's, uh, I mean, uh, you, you spend your last two first round picks on defensive players, right? I mean, Okuda, yeah, and and, and Aiden Hutchinson. Like, it's again, yeah. it doesn't to me, it doesn't feel like they're talent deficient necessarily. I, I think when you say what's the bigger issue to me, it it, it just seems like coaching and scheme uh, feel like more of a problem because there there are less talented teams in the league that have done a lot more than Detroit has this year. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, I mean, I, I thought they played pretty well against the Cowboys. Things fell apart late in that yeah. one. I mean, if Williams doesn't fumble at the goal line, they have a fourth quarter lead in that game. Uh, instead, they lost 24 to six. Mm-hmm. But before the bye, they lost to the Pats. The inexcusable defense against the Seahawks. I mean, that, that was hideous. I mean, yeah. You know, this whole thing kind of turned on that collapse against the Vikings, though. Yeah. You know? They had that. Yeah, game it was the, the third quarter against the Vikings is when there was a line of demarcation for this Lions season. Yep, exactly. Uh, a line of demarcation in the Arizona Minnesota game probably was the the turnovers for Arizona on this one here. Although <laughs> the Vikings tried to give away give it away too with the the Cousins fumble, for instance. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
you know, this was an, I thought this was a fun game. I thought this was a pretty entertaining game. I'm looking forward to the rewatch. I was kind of, you know, as watching along with every other. So I missed, didn't miss, like, I didn't get to see every play, but I thought this was a fun game. Um, still, Justin Jefferson doesn't score touchdowns, though. That's the only thing that I, I, I get frustrated with a little bit. I mean, he's awesome, and mm-hmm. they only infrequently look at him in the red zone. Yeah, it, it really has been uh, kind of a strange anomaly all year. And, I mean, he's still the wide receiver four in PPR leagues, uh, and that's with a bye week already. Yep. So he's having a fantastic year. Yardage has not been an issue. Targets have not been an issue at all. He had a couple really tough contested catches in this game uh, that were really impressive. But, yeah, it's Johnny Munton, K.J. Osborne on the receiving end uh, of Kirk Cousins, two touchdowns, both of those short ones. Uh, Another nice day for Dalvin Cook. Uh, Alexander Madison got in the end zone as well. Cousins uh, also rushed uh, for a touchdown in this game, a long run by his standards. I think it was close to a 20-yarder. This game to be flipped uh, completely when Greg Dorch muffed a punt uh, late in the game. It was early fourth quarter. Uh, Minnesota had just had the fumble, which turned into a go-ahead field goal, or excuse me, a, a field goal for Arizona that pulled them within two. They force a quick three and out. Feels like momentum is shifting. Uh, and then Minnesota, you know, ends up taking over at the Arizona 25 and punches that in a few plays later. Uh, so that, that to me, I mean, it, it's just really tough to come back uh, from a muff like that. We saw a couple of those this week. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wait till we get to the Giants game. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, this week, we can't even blame Sky Moore for one of them. He's had three of them no. this year, but he's not one of them this week uh dalvin cook got his madison got stole one though uh johnny munt scored it st- uh, stole a touchdown there but you know what can't blame minnesota, uh, minnesota. play worked i mean but it, it is frustrating when you got jefferson you want him to get in the end zone there adam thielen got banged up in this game but he did come back so something to mm-hmm. watch for if he does show up on the injury report this week maybe kj osborne has a little bit of juice finally but he osborne scored but he doesn't get the target share so it's kind of tough to count on him Minnesota goes to Washington, and on paper, that should be a pretty decent uh, matchup there. I would think so. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it, the Thielen situation, going back to that, that looked like a potential, like, very serious injury at first. It was kind of yeah. unclear what happened. You know, he was in really serious pain. Uh, and then, you know, watching Red Zone, he kind of flips away to that game. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, he's back out there making a long catch. So, uh, you know, seemed like maybe something that he thought was more serious at first. I think they diagnosed it as a bruised knee, but great sign that he was able to come back. I think Minnesota has a really good chance to move to seven and one next week. They've essentially locked up the division at this point with Green Bay taking another loss last night. Uh, but after that, they're at the Bills and then the Cowboys in consecutive weeks. So I, I think, you know, chances are they probably beat the Commanders. It is on the road. It's, you know, nothing's a guarantee. That's for sure. But uh, how they handle those Bills Cowboys games back to back, I think is going to dictate, you know, whether we really do take this team seriously as potentially the second best team in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we, you know, I think the Cowboys are in that conversation too. Yep. Interesting that the Eagles have beaten both of them. They got to feel pretty good about themselves about that. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll talk more about them in a second. But Arizona side, you know, Kyler had a good fantasy day. Yep. But I don't know if he had a good day. Two interceptions, got sacked four times, you know, yards per uh, attempt were 7.4. Good, not great. Uh, did throw for 326 yards and three TDs. Scrambled a little bit, 60, uh, 36 yards rushing. So uh, I just feel like the offense is just, it's always just a little off to me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that late interception was a, a complete killer. Uh, it was tipped, but nonetheless, um, you know, they, they, they needed to score on that possession. And, and it felt like that was the one that uh, was really the final dagger for Arizona. They did have another drive, uh, ended up going out on downs, didn't really do much with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yeah, Kyler was up and down. I mean, I would give him like a, just a solid B, maybe closer to a B minus in this game. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is back in full force. That's for sure. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading Liss's observations uh, newsletter this morning. He said, you know, if you redrafted today, or if Hopkins was was not suspended, uh, he would have been a second round pick. I think that's that's true for sure. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, twelve for one fifty nine and a touchdown in this game. Rondell Moore had a long touchdown. Uh, really, one of the few games where I feel like he looked like Purdue. Rondell Moore just running through tackles. You know, yeah. making guys miss in the open field. He was fantastic. Um, you know, Zach Ertz uh, got in the end zone, salvaged an okay fantasy day for him. So on paper, it, it felt like a, a fine day for this Arizona offense. I think putting up 26 points on what I think is a relatively good Minnesota defense, you can't be too discouraged by that. Obviously, the two picks by Kyler were killers, but I, I think you'd like to think that your defense could could hold Minnesota uh, under 30 points. And, and to me, that was the bigger issue. Yeah. Unable to run the ball either in this game. Yeah. Benjamin yeah. nine for 22, Daryl Williams five for eight. Ugh. Why are we even, what are we doing? Yeah. Here? Their, Why their longest run of the game came on a Rondale Moore jet sweep. You yeah. know, they got, they got nothing going on the ground with, with their running backs at all, or with Kyler, you know, like you said, 36 yeah. yards, but didn't have any, didn't have one of those like long signature scrambles where he's picking up 20 yards on a third and 10. No, not at all. Uh, Arizona hosts Seattle next week. Uh, so that, could be a shootout, although Seattle surprised us a couple of times. Uh, the yeah. defense has stepped up, including yesterday. So not a guarantee that it's going to be a shootout, but we'll see about that. Uh, another uh, early game. Let's let's tear off the rip off the bandaid on this one and talk Raiders Saints. It was ugly. Raiders Awful. didn't get past midfield until the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. <laughs> this this was just a complete beatdown from the start. You could tell Vegas just did not have it. Uh, you know, they, they come out, they, they immediately go three and out on their first drive. Um, it was just, it was just a complete mess. Like they, they looked out of sorts, uh, you know, Derek Carr never settled in. This was one of his worst games in a long time. Uh, first Raiders shutout in, in several years, uh, Carr barely, if he gets over a hundred yards in this game, took a few sacks, uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, finally comes back down to earth after a few really, really good weeks. Uh, Devante Adams, one catch for three yards on five targets. Uh, Saints defense had him in, in hell all afternoon. I mean, that was, yeah, it was, this was a game that to me, I, I came in feeling like it was a true 50, 50. I think the Raiders were like one or one and a half point favorites on the road, tons of injuries for the saints. I think that's really uh, what, what ultimately swayed me in favor of picking the Raiders in this game. And yeah, this, this was, you know, much like a lot of Jags games this year, this is one that like midway through the first quarter, I was a hundred percent sure the Raiders were not winning this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were dealing with a lot of illnesses during the week and injuries. Waller tried to tr- test out pregame warm-ups, couldn't go. You know, Adams missed two practices, was limited in a third. You know, Mac Hollins was banged up during the week. It it it, it showed how they were playing. They were, they were just sick of this situation, I guess. But uh, they, yeah. they looked like they were ill. Yeah, this was a, I mean, this is a game that Vegas really needed, I think, to keep pace in the AFC West. You know, felt like they had maybe built some momentum with that win over Houston, uh, big second half last week. Uh, and now, like we said at the top, they go at the Jags this week, uh, Colts, Broncos, Seahawks, Chargers after that. Uh, they, I mean, I don't think they need to win out at this point to, to make the playoffs, but they need to, they could probably afford to lose maybe two more games the rest of the way, maybe three uh, at the absolute most, you finish nine and eight. But um, you know, for a team that I think at first, you know, when we started evaluating the AFC West, it was like, all right, the Raiders are, are probably a, the, the number four team in a loaded division. And then it felt like by the time the season rolled around, a lot of people had talked them into the Raiders as you know this this underdog. Like, why are they such distant 
uh, fourth, you know, in terms of the odds to win the division. And it turns out they were uh, just in fourth for a reason. I mean, this is a team that looks really poorly coached, really poorly prepared. Uh, a lot of that kind of underdog mentality that they seem to have last year, uh, you know, post John Gruden firing, that's all gone. I mean, this, this team is just lifeless. Yeah, I guess there was a pretty lengthy meeting Josh McDaniels had with the uh, with, with the front office after the game yesterday. You know, I, you would think, okay, we got a uh, coveted head coaching candidate, and they still did this. It, it was wild. Uh, yeah, Derek Carr got benched in this one here. He'll be back next week, but you know, he could be a cut candidate at the end of the year. I saw a tweet about this. You know, they save a lot of money against the cap if they cut him this mm-hmm. in this off season here. Uh, I did. That's not an interesting see one. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of teams that I think would be interested in bringing in Derek Carr. That's for sure. I, I don't think he would just be out of a job, but yeah, it's just it's just this from the start. This marriage has never quite felt like a, like a great fit between Carr nope. and the Raiders. Nope. Um, but the Saints defense. This was a gettable defense too. That's the oh, thing yeah. that's really Should amazing to me. Um, they did get register four sacks, so there's something about that there. But I mean, the Raiders didn't even turn the ball over. They were no. just bad <laughs> they just oh. didn't do anything no they they yeah. turned the ball over via punts uh, a number of times that's for sure and this was this was another game where they really only had you know each team only possessed the ball three times in the second half uh mm-hmm. you know they, they put together a 14 play drive uh to end the game and didn't even end up getting points on that that came on the heels of a 15 play drive by the saints so uh embarrassing effort of course by this raiders offense but as has been the case all year i mean this raiders defense to me it's it, it, they they cannot get off the field. They've the, that secondary, especially to me, is a bottom three to bottom five unit in the league. Agreed, agreed. Alvin Kamara got his first three touchdowns of the year. Two of them through the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, one rushing touchdown. Finally, he didn't really kill it running wise. I think I missed that prop. By the way, we were talking about prize picks. I think it was sixty three and a half. Ugh. He ran for sixty two yards. I was like, oh yeah, I nailed this one. He scored three times. Oh, oh, it was all receiving. Never mind. Well, he he must have on the. He must have been on the under, I think, for prize picks. So that that, that makes sense. But uh, he's now skyrocketed after this week. He's the RB7 uh, on the year in terms of PPR uh, fantasy points per game. So felt like a slow start for Kamara. Uh, obviously didn't get the touchdowns until this week. But, um, you know, could be, depending on like what happens with Josh Jacobs these next couple of weeks, Kamara uh, could be knocking on the door of being a top five running back. Yeah, well, especially with Andy Dalton at the helm, he catches more passes. Yeah. 10 targets yesterday helps that no Michael Thomas, no Jarvis Landry, uh, no Adam Troutman, Juwan Johnson played, but you know, he's, he was playing hurt and just Taysom Hill is just this fly in the ointment. It works for the saints though. I mean, 10 for 61 on the ground, hard to argue against that. No, very true. Very true. Um, Yeah, this was, Again, I, I felt like this was a 50-50 game uh, you know, coming in, and, and the Saints were just the, the better prepared team. Uh, I think they were the, the more diverse team, and, and Andy Dalton has had some, some kind of high-profile mistakes, uh, certainly last week against Arizona, being at the top of that mountain. But uh, I, I think this, this offense has looked just a lot more competent with him compared to Jameis, and we got a small sample with Jameis. He was banged up for a lot of it. I, I get that, uh, but I, I, I just think on balance, Andy Dalton has brought... Um, yeah, much more. I was going to say explosive. That might be going a little too far. Uh, but considering <laughs> the lack of options, I mean, the, the lack of options at receiver, um, you know, turning guys like Jawan Johnson and Rashid Shahid into winning players, it's, it's been impressive. It has. It has. What was not impressive was the performance of Zach Wilson against the Pats. Uh, oh, you oh. think 355 yards? Oh, yeah, that's impressive. No, it was so bad. Three interceptions, all bad ones. Lots of these pointless, like, backward scramble throw yep. it out of bounds plays 
20 for 41. Uh, you got the, the yardage there, uh, but this was an ugly game. And they got the late touchdown to make it 17, but it really was 22 10. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was really a squash most of this game. Ugly, ugly performance for the Jets and Zach Wilson. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, they, they still had a, a, a chance at the end of this game. They needed a, a onside kick late, which they, they did not get. But uh, yeah, New England, I, I don't think really played all that much better offensively. No, uh, I think really not, didn't, weren't really able to capitalize on those sloppy turnovers by Zach Wilson. Uh, and this game, too, kind of flipped on a, uh, an interesting call. And Mac Jones, you know, looked like he threw a pick six. That ends up being called back. Uh, you know, completely changed the vibe of this game because early on, I mean, I, I was not impressed by the New England offense whatsoever. No. And I, I thought Mac Jones looked pretty shaky, 24 of 35 for 194 with a touchdown uh, and a pick that did stand. They didn't run the ball all that well. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson had half of his yards on one carry. Uh, the rest of it, you know, was, was basically like 15 for 40 yards. Um, did, yeah. did have a nice day through the air, seven catches for 72 for Ramondre Stevenson. So certainly paid off uh, if you started yeah. him, but 34 carries for 127 yards as a team for the New England Patriots. But honestly, coming into this game, like I, I was on the New England side here just because, you know, one, I, I just think like Bill Belichick is not losing to Justin Fields and Zach Wilson in back-to-back weeks. And we saw just, you know, Justin Fields play well last week, you know, do a lot yeah. with his legs. Zach Wilson just, he just doesn't have that quite a, you know, that next level ability. And, you know, look, we're, Justin Fields is not exactly uh, on pace to be a Hall of Famer himself, but Bill Belichick in matchups against quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, uh, it feels like he never fails. Yeah. Kevin Altman says he looks like 2020 Wentz, uh, Zach Wilson does. And <laughs> that feels about right. Yeah. I'm not going to uh, fight you on that. Yeah. It's, it's really awful. Uh, you know, Mac Jones though. I mean, they're sticking with them just like the jets are sticking with their first round pick. I, I mean, you're kind of, that's the problem when you have a first round pick, there's this, okay, what's mm-hmm. best for the long run versus what's best for now tension that you have every single yep. week. And teams owe it to themselves to figure it out because when you're on that rookie court uh, contract with the quarterbacks there, I mean, that's the time to find out, get Wally Gettin's good. And these guys have to play, you know, you mm-hmm. can't just see it in practice. You need to see it in a game, but this is what you get. And the, the jets, you know, they were five and two going into this game. It was, it's, it's funny. They're one and three at home. Now they're five and three overall, but mm-hmm. one and three at home. Um, they're, you know, they've, they've still got a chance to make the playoffs. There's no chance of winning this division, I don't think. Although Buffalo hasn't played either of these two teams yet, but uh, it, nonetheless, though, it's four. It's AFC East. There's four viable teams. The Pats are four and four, but yeah. sometimes they look horrible. Sometimes they look like okay, it's all Belichick's getting him coming around. Don't know what to make out of them either, especially offensively. I think de- I think their defense is actually pretty legit. Uh, but man, what a, it's kind of a wasteland on offense too. I mean, Devontae Parker got hurt in this game. Jacoby Myers got his, he got his touchdown. He was nine for 60. So a lot of short passes. Yep. There's really not anybody else startable on this offense. Oh no. And this was a very conservative game plan. Uh, if, if you watch this game closely, I mean, we, New England was, you know, it's like they were, they had a couple like third and 11s or they're just running the ball, you know, planning to punt. Uh, I, I think they kind of knew like, look, we just need to wait out these mistakes from Zach Wilson. He will make them. We will capitalize. Um, and they, they turned the three interceptions, I believe, into only six points, you know, two field goals and then a punt after one of them. Um, so it wasn't I, I think this game could have been more one sided in favor of New England had the offense played better. Um, I, I thought this was like an A minus game from the Pats defense and like a C minus game from the Pats offense, which is still enough to beat Zach Wilson. But the defense yeah. did give up some uncharacteristic big plays. Uh, Denzel Mims had one late in the game. Garrett Wilson had a big reception. Tyler Conklin got wide open 
for a touchdown. So I'm with you. I, I think on balance, this is a very good Pats defense. But uh, last week was a little alarming, and uh, I thought they played okay this week, but it was not a dominant performance. You know who didn't make a big play was Elijah Moore. He was only on the field mm-hmm. for 10 snaps. He was, and he, he let the media yeah, know Smith about it. More snaps. Yeah, he let the media know about it after the game, and that's this is going to be a really interesting one to monitor uh, before Tuesday afternoon, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, is that trade deadline. And yeah, like you said, Jeff Smith getting more snaps than him. I mean, Braxton Berrios tripling him up in terms of snaps. Uh, Wilson and Mims were the big two for the Jets this week, 52 and 44 snaps, respectively. Uh, they use a lot of you know, a lot of tight ends, too. Conklin and Uzama both heavily involved as well. Uh, it's strange. Elijah Moore seemed to have, you know, nice chemistry with Zach Wilson, about as much chemistry as you could have with a quarterback like him last season. And yeah, I don't know if it was the injury to Wilson or what, but it just, it just hasn't carried over and uh, they're going to get calls on Elijah Moore this week. That's for sure. I I don't understand what the jets are doing with him. I mean, unless there's something like he's running wrong routes or some sort of other thing going on in his life or other thing going on with them. I, I don't understand what what changed from last year to this year with him, but it's clear he's out of favor. Very much so. Very, very much so. And it's surprising. You would think, you know, if they're trying to smooth things over with him, like you at least get him on the field. You, you don't have right. to throw him the ball 15 times. But like, you know, this is a guy that you're essentially saying, we don't want to trade you. We want you to be a part of this offense. So much so that we're going to let you play 10 snaps the entire game. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's go on to the last game from the early slate. This wasn't much of a game. Eagles smashed the uh, Steelers. Subs got a lot of play in the fourth quarter. Eagles play on Thursday night. They were smart about it. Like, okay, here you guys go. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts was awesome in the first half. Kind of a continuing theme. The Eagles crush it in the first half. Kind of put it in cold storage second half. Although they did get a fourth quarter touchdown this time. So it was a little different. But every time, like, I'd get these alerts on my phone because I was coaching the soccer game at the start of the game. Like, Jalen Hurts has made a big play. Jalen Hurts has made a big play constantly. Uh, been been so fun to watch this offense roll this year. Yeah, this has been a really fun team. Uh, it, it you know they've had a couple games that have been relatively close. The Arizona one being the closest, uh, but it, it just to me it doesn't. They're like an unflappable team so far. Yeah. Like it 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 never feels like they're panicking. It feels like they always know uh, that they're the team that's in control that has the better talent. Um, and if, if you know they just never seem to be pressing and. Uh, you know, they didn't need to, obviously, in this game. Uh, and it was A.J. Brown you know, pretty much single-handedly uh, torching the Steelers' defense. Three early touchdowns in this game, goes six for 156. Uh, d- two of those catches were contested. You know, they were really nice throws by Jalen Hurts. But it was just astonishing how easy A.J. Brown made it look, going up over two defenders, bringing down uh, yeah. these, these contested balls. I mean, what a what an addition he's been. A huge, huge game for him. Dallas Goddard uh, had a nice fantasy day as well. We saw Zach Paschal get in the end zone. Uh, not a great day for my DFS lineups that had Devontae Smith. Did have five catches, uh, but really it was it was the A.J. Brown show for the Eagles offense. I was just about to say, the only negatives on the Philly side were Devontae Smith and the fact that Hurts got sacked three times. Don't yep. want that to happen there, uh, but they'll, they'll get the, the, they've been dealing with a little injury issues on their offensive line. That'll be something to watch for. But, hey, Thursday night, I think they're going to run the ball a ton. You know, at, at, we're going to talk about Houston momentarily. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders will get more than nine carries, I predict, uh, on Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to go out on a thin limb on that one there. I think you're going to see 15 to 20 carries for Sanders in this one. Yeah. I mean, that Houston defense, uh, <laughs> obviously going up against Derrick Henry this past week, that was a, a tough assignment to say the least. But that is, mm-hmm. that's the 31st ranked rushing defense right now for a reason. 
uh, in terms of yards per attempt, uh, in terms of total yards, they've allowed the most yardage uh, in the NFL. And I, I think teams know that, you know, teams, when, when you go against the Houston Texans, you're, you're not exactly uh, going in there thinking you need to win a shootout. You know, I think, you know, you can, you could grind the run right. against this team and, and no team does that better than the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I really like them. I mean, we've seen a lot of big favorites get tripped up this season. It's a short week for both teams. I, I get that could be a potential trap game, but uh, again, I, Philly just seems, they seem confident. They seem unflappable and they seem like they go into these games knowing, look, if, if we execute, we are going to win easily. And I mean, it's, it's been really, really fun to watch. And uh, Jalen Hurts, by the way, down to plus 350 to win MVP behind only Josh Allen. So uh, something to monitor. Yeah. Robert Quinn didn't have a huge Im- impact in this one, did have one QB hit, but they, he might have occupied blockers because the, the yep. Eagles sacked uh, uh, Kenny Pickett six times. I mean, they hit him a bunch of other times. They had 11 QB hits total. He had a, he had a fumble. He had an interception. It was more nightmare fuel for the Steelers offense. I mean, Claypool do, did his thing a mm-hmm. little bit there, got the, uh, the throwing touchdown. Uh, Najee Harris, I mean, it's a disaster there. Eight for 32 on the ground. At least he's catching some passes to soften the blow a little bit. But there's very little positive to come out of this for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, Najee Harris did throw a pass in this game. Um, so, yes. you know, there's that. Uh, they're, they're getting him involved as a passer, I suppose. No, it's been it's been rough. And I, I saw kind of a super cut on Twitter of, you know, some of his his runs and receptions from the last few weeks. And it's just like the vision doesn't quite seem to be there. He's not, you know, attacking defenders uh, in the same way as last year, but obviously been put in a really, really tough spot uh, as a workhorse for a bad offense. Uh, only other note I have is that Jordan Davis, the the excellent rookie defensive tackle, for the Eagles did leave that game with a high ankle sprain. I yeah. would be pretty surprised if he plays on Thursday, probably don't need him against Houston, but uh, hopefully that's not something that that's a multi-week injury for him. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Pittsburgh related question here. Cause it mentions uh, Pat Fryermuth, 10, 10 man half point PPR league, which tight end would you like rest of the season? Higby Fryermuth uh, or Dolchich? I I'd go Fryermuth. Uh, I think earlier in the season, Higby had a case here, uh, and Dolchich has come on strong, that's for sure. But uh, to me, Firemuth has, has been the the most insulated, the most consistent. Uh, for as bad as Kenny Pickett has looked at times, I mean, he's been a turnover machine. Uh, he does seem to trust Firemuth. Like, I, I think he's almost been more dependable than the Pickett's, Claypool, Deontay Johnson disaster that we're trying to figure out every single week. Like, it's, it's going to be ugly, but he does at least always seem to find a way to get his, like, six catches for 55 yards, even if he's not getting yeah. in the end zone. So, for me, I'll, I'll take that floor. It's Friermuth versus Dolchich for me. Uh, easy for me to say, too. Uh, but I'm going to go... Uh, I think I'd go Friermuth, too, but I think you can make a pretty good case for Dolchich, too. I think the, the volume's going to be there. I think he's changed his Denver offense. Uh, yep. Both team, both players are on bye this week, so this upcoming week, so something to be heads up for there. You may have to be, stick with Higby one more week. Uh, although Higby got banged up in this game a little bit, too. Also had a hideous drop. About to talk about that, too. Uh, <laughs> but before we talk about that, we have to share another uh, piece of business with one of our sponsors, a new sponsor. We want to welcome NFL All Day. NFL All Day is the officially licensed digital collectible of the NFL. It's a whole new way to express your fandom by owning the greatest moments from your favorite players and teams. Each moment on NFL All Day features a limited edition video highlight of one of the greatest plays from the NFL's past or present. From OBJ's iconic one-handed catch to Patrick Mahomes' five touchdowns on five straight possessions to Brian Urlacher's 85-yard pick six against the Packers, there's truly a moment on NFL All Day for every fan. And it doesn't stop at being able to own a collection of your favorite moments. 
Because NFL All-Day rewards collectors for their fandom. You see, NFL All-Day collectors have earned once-in-a-lifetime experiences like literally going on stage at the draft to announce draft picks and meeting some of the biggest names from the 2020 NFL Draft at the NFLPA Rookie Premiere. What's the best way to get started? Head to NFLAllDay.com to sign up and redeem a free, limited edition NFL collectible featuring Patrick Mahomes. Don't miss out on NFL All Day's next generation fan platform and start unlocking rewards and experiences today. Thanks to NFL All Day for joining us uh, as a sponsor on the podcast. Let's move to the afternoon games. Uh, Let's start off with a game that was a bit of a snoozer. Tennessee against the Houston. 17-10 final on this one there. Houston scored very late to make it 17-10 or 17-3 most of the second half. Actually, it was only 7-3 at halftime. You know, for all the production that Derrick Henry did, which was great, 219 yards running, two touchdowns, still 7-3 at halftime in this one here. Uh, You kind of like, where's the rest of the scoring if you're that productive? And then you look at the passing game and then you understand. Uh, yeah, we saw a very limited, uh, you know, very conservative game plan from the Tennessee Titans passing the ball. I mean, they, they missed a field goal on their first drive. They threw a pick in the first half. Uh, so that contributed to, to some of the low scoring as well. But I think this is exactly how they wanted to win this game. You know, it, yes. almost a, a laughable, like Justin Fields-esque line from Malik Willis. Six of 10 for 55 yards. It was basically just don't go out there and lose us the game. Like if we just right. if we just run the ball, we can rack up yards. We can move the ball against the Texans. The only thing that we could do to lose this game is for you to turn it over two or three times. And he did throw one pick. Yes, exactly. So it was just avoid the complete disaster, please. And we will win this game. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, 32 for 219 and two scores for Derrick Henry. He became the Titans all-time leader in rushing touchdowns uh, past Eddie Mm -hmm. George for that designation. I would have thought Bishop Sankey held the record. I was completely (laughs) taken aback that it was in fact Eddie George. Um, But this was... This is just the Titans infrastructure type of win, right? I mean, they almost yeah. feel like they've kind of they might be next in line when you talk about teams like the Patriots and the and the the Steelers, who no matter what, given the circumstances, they they always find a way to win. And I, I kind of have that level of trust now with Tennessee. Yeah, I, it's, I think I almost felt like they brought back Arthur Smith for just this one game to reunite with Mike Vrabel uh, <laughs> and just to to kind of have this there. Marcus Mariota is like, man, they don't even throw the ball that much. I mean, he threw it yeah, ten right. times. Willis had a quarterback rating of 4.4. I mean, it was just, he got sacked three times and threw an interception. It was just, anytime he dropped back, only yeah. bad things can happen. Uh, it, it was, you know, Dontrell, but meanwhile, they're running the ball so effectively. Why wouldn't you? I mean, Dontrell Hillis, Hilliard went for eight for 83. I mean, mm-hmm. it, they were just creasing him time and time again. And meanwhile, the defense was just absolutely suffocating Houston. I mean, they, Houston couldn't get out of their own way. I mean, Davis Mills was terrible, 17 for 29, 152. That's 5.2 yards per attempt. Got mm-hmm. sacked three times his own right, had the pick. Had the late touchdown pass to Damian Pierce as a Pierce manager in a lot of places. I'm like, oh, thank you for the bailout. I did not deserve this, but I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that one, I, I would never say, even even after the touchdown, um, you know, there was like, what, like 15 seconds left or something. They obviously tried the, the onside kick, but it, it didn't really feel like, there was yeah. any true threat there. Um, you know, Houston just, despite this game, it was it was always a two score game at every point. It just never really felt like Houston had any chance uh, yeah. to truly threaten the Titans. And it's I mean Tennessee racked up a bunch of yards, but like they were four four for twelve on third down. Like it, it wasn't really uh, you know like a complete stomping. Like pretty comparable in terms of like total plays run things like that. 
but you know, one team uh, I think was able to to kind of execute a game plan and limit mistakes. And I look, I, I still think there's a, a decent amount to like about Davis Mills, considering where they got him in the draft. But it's just I, I don't know any any chance that like, hey, we found our our ten year starter late no. in the draft. I, I think that's yeah. kind of out the window. I just it, I don't know. It, it just seems like he's hit a ceiling and he's just a, a slightly below average starter at best. Yep. Uh, he would dream to be Kirk Cousins. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's I not mean, happening. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree with you on that. We'll see what the Texans do uh, by tomorrow's trade deadline. I mean, Brandon Cooks, his name has been band- bantied about. Mm-hmm. He did get that late. If you started uh, Cooks, you also got bailed out in the last minute of the game with that 44-yard reception. Mm-hmm. Four for 73, but it was nothing before that. I mean, there was just there was no there there. There was just no offense. I mean, they got half their yards in the game basically on that final drive. <laughs> It was pretty much that. Yeah, it really was. And hats off to the Titans' defense, which you know has been banged up. Doesn't you know doesn't necessarily have like a ton of top end talent. But again, this was a this was a team infrastructure win from the Titans, who yeah look like they they might be in position now to start running away with this division. Yeah, suffice to say, though, wins. Suffice to say that this this won't work next week. They play Kansas City on the Sunday night game yes. in Arrowhead. Uh, it'll be a little bit more wide open. We'll see if they get Traylon Burks back for that game. They they need more firepower. Robert Woods ain't it. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to try to run it 30 times, 40, uh, Henry 30 times, but I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off. Uh, but the, they'll, they got to have Tannehill back for that game. If Willis plays, there's just no chance. No, I mean, you think this is, this is a team that's won five straight games, but uh, two of those are against the Colts. You know, two are against the Commanders and the Texans. Uh, one was a close one against the Raiders. Uh, they also lost forty-one to seven to the Bills yeah. in Week Two. And uh, yeah, if Tannehill's not back for the Chiefs next week at Arrowhead, I, I think that could be a, a redux of that one. Yeah, but they basically already won the division, which right. is kind of crazy. I mean, the Colts lost again, the Jags lost again. Um, it's funny they start off zero and two, and by Week Eight, they still they've already got the division again. It, it, yep. It's it's amazing. Vrabel is a really good coach. I will say that. Um, I'm not. 100% bought in on the front office and their ability to acquire talent. I mean, the, the AJ, we just talked about AJ Brown with the Eagles mm-hmm. and how big of that deal that made, meant for Philly. I thought that was just a classic misstep. I mean, AJ Brown made that offense complete. And I think in the playoffs, they're really going to miss him. Yeah, that's the thing is they're, they're probably going to run away with this division, but I just, I don't see the path to competing with a team like Buffalo or Kansas City. I think they're still they're like three notches below those teams, and that's saying a lot because I think you know they could they could very well finish the season like twelve and five uh, and end yeah. up looking pretty good. But it's yeah, they, the the level of talent just isn't really there. Um, you know, replacing him essentially with Traylon Burks looks like a, a pretty massive mistake so far, and and we'll see. You know, you got to give Burks some time to develop. But I, I think there was maybe a little bit of hubris there in saying, well, you know, we can we can get ninety percent of what AJ Brown gives us with a much cheaper rookie. And right. uh, I think AJ Brown has pretty quickly proven that that is not the case. Right. And it just, it also illustrates, Hey, first round receiver doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get AJ Brown. I mean, <laughs> uh, you might get Jalen Rager sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I made that mistake once or twice in my life in the fantasy leagues. Um, the, the schedule also picks up for the Titans. So Chiefs, yep. home game against the Broncos. That's going to be total ground in the muck total of like 29 in that game. Maybe who knows? At the Packers versus the Bengals at the Eagles, uh, so that that's a pretty tough stretch coming up for Tennessee. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, they're they're through their easiest portion of the schedule for sure. Uh, like we mentioned, you know, getting the Commanders, the Colts, the Texans, you know, in four straight weeks, uh, that that certainly helps. But yeah, they're going to be tested. I mean, it's it's not totally over 
in the AFC South, but it's, it's just hard to imagine a team like Indianapolis, you know, that just lost to uh, the Washington commanders, which I, I think we'll talk about next. Like they yeah. seem dead. Uh, the Jags are, are obviously dead uh, the, and the Texans are the Texans. So I think by default, they'll probably end up backing their way into it. But yeah, I mean, four of these next five, uh, very, very losable games. When you look at the, you know, the chiefs, the Packers, the Bengals and the Eagles, um, and then the Broncos, who knows? I mean, that'll probably be a, a 19 to 17 type of game. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, unrelated question. I'm going to go ahead and take this because I think it's an easy answer. Uh, Elijah asked, do I receive Dalvin Cook and Jalen Waddle for Justin Jefferson? Would you do that trade, Nick? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it depends what you have at running back, but probably I think I would. I, I, I mean, as much as I love Jefferson, uh, the product, you know, there hasn't been like a massive drop off to what Waddle uh, has given you this year. And I, I think upside wise, they're, they're fairly similar week to week. And, you know, you're adding a, a borderline elite running back in Dalvin Cook. So I'll, I'll take the two for one side of that. This is a snap call for me. Easy decision. Do this trade. Yes. Get Cook and Waddle there. I mean, yes, Jefferson's awesome. He's amazing, but you're getting 90% of Jefferson, maybe, in, you know, more, more, maybe more touchdown equity. I don't know. We'll see if Jefferson's really a, a distraction in the red zone, a diversion as has been alleged. Uh, and you're getting an elite running back. I mean, he's got Eckler and Aaron Jones, uh, but you have a flex, presumably. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome to have that there. Cook's already had his buy. Jefferson's had his buy already. So that cancels each other out. Um, I mean, you, you do lose one, one bye week for Waddle. I mean, that's about the one negative, yep. I guess, but. Eh, I do it. I do it. And I do it without much hesitation. Um, all right. Commanders, Colts. Snooze of a game for three quarters and then a thrilling finish. Like a crazy nutty for fourth quarter after just a terrible game early on. Yeah. Yeah. And Indianapolis should have won this game. Um, you know, multiple chances uh, yeah. at the end to to close this thing out. Uh, they, they really were one first down away uh, late in the fourth quarter from icing this game. And you know, they had a fourth and one at their own 34 yard line. It, it's a 50, 50 call to me. Um, in retrospect, you say, just, you know, run the QB sneak. You got it. You have a, a big physical running quarterback now in Sam Ellinger, pick that up. And you're basically guaranteeing yourself the win. Instead they punt. And, you know, for the second straight week, we see the commanders who really couldn't do anything all day. And, and all of a sudden Taylor Heineke is finding Terry McLaurin over and over on this final drive. And it, it reminded me of some of the catches McLaurin had, uh, yeah. Against Jeffrey Alexander last week had a huge one uh, to bring Washington inside the five yard line late in this game, going up over Stefan Gilmore, uh, wrestling the ball away from him uh, and eventually setting up that game winning score. So to me, I, I actually thought the Colts were the better team for most of this game. They had a couple sloppy drives, a really, really bad fumble by Jonathan Taylor, uh, who struggled in this game. Uh, that, that was a big momentum turner, but got to credit the commanders now suddenly uh, sitting at 500 now with, with back to back wins behind Heineke gettable wild card spot in the nfc yes too. yes uh it's yeah it's out there it's hang, hanging out there there's a lot of teams faltering they might as well go get it heineke and mclaurin seem to have that connection uh for sure um noteworthy that brian robinson didn't lead the team uh in uh, running back snaps this game he mm-hmm. went he went eight for 20 got stuffed on fourth down i mean just stuffed on that play yeah gibson again had some big plays had the touchdown again receiving they figured it out. Antonio Gibson is a better player than Brian Robinson. It's nothing wrong against Brian Robinson. Great story. Gibson's got more juice. Maybe not in the running game. The running game didn't do mm-hmm. anything with anybody. No. But Gibson is a great pass catcher. He's better than McKissick, for that matter. McKissick always like 
goes down with first contact. Gibson is out there running routes, making plays. I, it's to me, it's not even close. They should be using Gibson more. Yeah, I mean, he's got the the history as a receiver at the college level, of course. Seven for one fifty eight and a touchdown mm-hmm. uh, in this game, and they they needed every bit of that. Um, you know, he was he was huge for them uh, on a day where they, like you said, could not get anything going on the ground. Uh, you know, the snap load mirrors this as well. Gibson McKissick each played twenty two snaps. Brian Robinson played only fifteen snaps. Uh, did carry the ball on over half of those, uh, but only ran three routes. So um, I, I do think this is going to be a situation that continues to frustrate us, uh, especially you week to week. Uh, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they you. Really, you know, have some, <laughs> they have some takeaways uh, from this. I'm with you, man. I, I mean, if we've seen this in like half their games so far where Antonio Gibson uh, ends up being a big difference maker. And look, I mean, the narrative with Brian Robinson is great. Uh, you know, they had some momentum in the preseason, but he just he hasn't had that juice. No, he hasn't. He hasn't at all. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you heard this, Breaking news, Terry McLaurin's from Indianapolis. This was a homecoming game for him. Did you hear that? I, they mentioned that once or twice, I believe, yeah. on the broadcast. Uh, they mentioned it roughly seven times in the final minute of this game. Uh, yes. But yeah, I mean, another big game for McLaurin with bad quarterback play. Uh, he's proven himself to uh, be at least somewhat quarterback proof, at least on that next tier of receivers beyond the, the true elite guys. Uh, rough game for Michael Pittman. Seven for 53 oh, had, a, had a horrific drop at the end of the game. Uh, it, nothing was guaranteed, but I think, you know, he, he's basically running kind of a crossing pattern. If he catches that ball, he's probably able to get out of bounds around midfield. Uh, at that point, you know, you have maybe one he's or two more plays. Too. Yeah, right. And you have, you have maybe one or two more plays to, to gain five to 10 more yards, set up a reasonable field goal. Um, yeah, that was just a, a really bad drop. It, it was watching the replay made it so much worse. Like he, I don't know how he didn't complete the catch. Like he had it, he completely had it in his hands uh, and obviously lost focus. Um, I mean, that was, that was the final, uh, you know, kind of knife for for the Colts. Who, you know, you're still looking at a desperation field goal at that point. So again, nothing was guaranteed. But, um, you know, they they fumbled the ball twice inside the Washington 30 yard line. I, I really think yep. they were the better team. Yeah, uh, you know, Taylor lost a fumble. Erlinger lost a fumble. First star for uh, Sam Erlinger. I mean, they didn't ask him to do a whole lot. 17 to yeah. 23 for 201 yards. Had took two sacks. Had that lost fumble. They didn't use him on the ground as much as I thought they were going to. Uh, right. If you look at his career at Texas, he was a mobile quarterback. And in the entire first half, they didn't have him mm-hmm. run the ball at all. Exactly. He was a mobile, <clears throat> excuse me, RPO quarterback. You know, a guy yeah. who's comfortable running between the tackles. Uh, they, Yeah, I thought we'd see a lot more of that. Uh, we did not. He, he did deliver some nice throws in the second half of this game. It felt like they opened things up for Ellinger a little bit. But yeah, very conservative uh, early on, which I... I kind of felt like this was a we have nothing to lose type of move by the Colts. I was hoping they would they would kind of unleash Sam Ellinger a little bit more. Uh, but but you know, they kept the training wheels on at least in the first half, but did have a long completion uh to Alec Pierce in the second half. That set up a score uh, and had a long one to, to Paris Campbell as well. So I overall, I mean you're not blown away certainly by Sam Ellinger, but I I think he was fine. I think he was completely fine. Yeah. Taylor missed some time, had to have that ankle retaped. Thought that maybe he'd come back, he might be held out, but then he did yep. come back in the second half. But like you said, didn't wasn't great. Had that one long run, 27 yards. Uh, otherwise, he was like 15 for quick math, 15 for 49. So you don't take away a best uh, best play. You just don't do that. But at the same time, if you do, I mean, he averaged three yards a carry in his other carries. And he's not a part of the passing game. That's the mm-hmm. thing I don't like. I mean, only one target in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was listed his observation said, you know, it's got to be one of the biggest one one 
busts of all time in terms of, you know, somebody who was basically the unanimous number one pick in most leagues. And, and, you know, you can't even point to injuries with Taylor did miss one game, but uh, yeah. he just, uh, just has not been the same guy. I mean, the yards per carry average is down uh, well over one per or one full yard uh, compared to last year. He has one rushing touchdown on the season, of course, at 18 a year ago, he's already lost more fumbles than last year. It's just, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, the Colts have taken a step back uh, as a team, but, uh, you know, you talk about another guy who hasn't had that same juice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, talk about taking a step back as a team. The Rams, Ugh. they were, they, I thought they were the better team in the first half of this game against the Niners, but mm-hmm. oh my gosh, the second half was just a disaster, unmitigated disaster for the Rams. What the heck happened here? This, in some ways, I think mirrored the effort that we saw from the Bucks, uh this this week, where, yeah, it looked like they, they had come out of the bye with some juice. They put together that 17-play touchdown drive uh, in the first quarter, you're thinking, okay, Allen Robinson is more involved. Like it, it just, it looks like a, a Rams team that um, you know, was more prepared and and had a little more talent on the field than mm-hmm. we've seen in previous weeks. Uh, you know, they score again in the first half. They're up 14 to 10 at the half, and everything came crashing down. I think defensively, um, you know, the wheels really came off in the second half. They allowed three straight touchdown drives at one point uh, to the 49ers, who. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I think will be one of the biggest fantasy stories, of course, coming out of this week. No D bill Samuel. Uh, he, he runs for 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he catches a touchdown as eight catches for 55 also throws yeah. a touchdown in this game. Um, just the, the complete package from Christian McCaffrey. And I, I thought this was a 50, 50 game. I thought this was maybe a good spot for the Rams uh, to steal one against a banged up Niners team. They're coming off the bye. And yeah, I agree through the first half. I thought the Rams were the better team. And I, I think if you had asked me at halftime, who wins this game, I would have said, yeah, probably the Rams win a close one, um, but just completely fell off a cliff in that second half. Yeah. They moved the ball really well. A couple of drives. Now their first touchdown, they needed like 10 plays inside the five yard line. They kept yeah, on getting that, penalties. <laughs> maybe that should have been a sign. Yeah. They finally had uh Stafford run it in uh, after Malcolm Brown and Ronnie Rivers failed. I was on tilt with this game. I have Daryl Henderson in the NFFC primetime. I'm like, okay, Henderson, he's not great, mm-hmm. but he should be giving me a floor of like 10 points in this game. And it came you out think... with Rivers and Brown. <laughs> what? Ronnie Rivers, baby. Uh, yeah, I, I went through that same song and dance with Henderson in a league where, yeah, again, you're, he's not somebody that you're like, all right, I need 25 points today. It's more like, just please, please don't give me like a 4.5 point day, which is essentially what he did here. Uh, yeah, in terms of snaps, 24 for Henderson, 21 for Ronnie Rivers. Uh, they ran a, basically the same number of routes, uh, obviously more carries for Rivers. Malcolm Brown also outcarried Henderson in this game, despite only playing 13 snaps. So, right. uh, some of this game, though, I mean, why, yeah. what do you why? get out of Malcolm Brown? I, McVay does I this every, like one or two games every year. And you're like, does he hate Henderson? I know Henderson missed Wednesday's <laughs> practice with an illness. What what is going on there? I know, I know. This, I mean, the Rams, as much as any team, they're coming off of a Super Bowl. They're they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, everybody loves McVay, but they've lost three out of four now. You know, they've they've gotten beat down twice by the 49ers in the last month. Uh, you know, got it feels like you got to win at Tampa this yeah. week. Uh, you know, you got a Chiefs game coming up at the end of November. Uh, you, you play the Seahawks in December. That game looks a lot more difficult now. Uh, that it did, you know, coming into the year, they they have to play Seattle twice more. Um, I mean, they're they're going to be in real danger here uh, of missing the playoffs. I, I think this is going to be, um, yeah, obviously, we you talk you always talk about the Super Bowl hangover, but I didn't I didn't really see this coming for the Rams. I didn't I didn't think the offense would be this limited 
uh, you know, now at the halfway point in the season. Yeah. I mean, we saw it on opening night and you're just like, okay, it's opening night. It's the bills. Okay, fine. Uh, their, their, their line is terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. both the bucks and the Rams, the offensive line is a big part of this story here. And I, you know, I don't know if you can recover in season with this. Can you make a trade in season and get that sort of chemistry? Can you get that sort of improvement? Is there, is there an offensive lineman that is that big of a name worth trading for right now? And I, I always try to do that swing for the fences trade, but is there right. one that exists out there? Not that I know of. I mean, I, I wouldn't consider myself like a, an expert on, you know, offensive line play for the bad teams. I, I don't, I mean, maybe you just, dial up the AFC South in general and you say, Hey Colts, you know, is there anybody you want to get? Is Quentin Nelson available? Can we grab him? Uh, even, even yeah. he's actually been disappointing this season as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I know the Jags have like a backup tackle, uh, I think Walker little who some people like, I, I don't know if that's really moving the needle for anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know if there's any kind of impact offensive lineman that you're bringing in mid season. That's going to magically turn your season around. I, I don't think that's happening. Right. Right. And unless they're like due to be a free agent at the end of the year, you know, rarely are, you know, good team. The bad teams want to hold on to the elite offensive linemen and build around them. That's the, that's the thing. Right. So yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of action. Uh, there's, there's probably one that exists out there and I should probably know better, but I don't, I don't know of anyone um, right now. So I, we've had a pretty active trade market this in-season trade markets so far this year i'd like Mm -hmm. to see a lot more in the next 24 hours that's for sure yeah same here and it feels like it's trending that way um i don't know it's the stove's already been hotter this year uh than in years past and i I hope that's a sign of things to come i mean it makes the nfl more fun yeah niners uh buy comes at a great time they get this win a division win they they sweep the uh, rams that's huge uh, they try, they can try to get healthy over the bye week, get Debo back, maybe get some of their defenders back. Uh, the Rams, like we mentioned earlier, they've got a big game at Tampa Bay, a reprise of the playoff game, the, di- mm-hmm. uh, the divisional round there. So we'll see uh, what happens, but, uh, you know, that, that was an incredible game last year in the playoffs. And now we got two teams that are completely different arcs going into this week. Yeah, that's going to be a, a kind of a crash and burn game for one team. I don't know which team it's going to be, but we, we already feel really bad about both of these teams. And one of them is going to be in a massive, massive hole after that yep. game. And I don't I don't know which one it's going to be. Like, I, which team do you feel worse about right now? They're, they've both been so awful. Yeah, uh, I, I think I feel worse about the Rams, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, and then, you know, of course, we got to mention Brady got divorced. Uh, that's yeah obviously huge too uh something else uh that who knows how that affects people i feel bad for him i feel bad for any divorce but uh you know that that's uh, obviously hanging around as a hovering is an issue too uh two more games left to recap but first quick note from monkey knife fight football is officially back on monkey knife fight with all the nfl action you're looking for and if college football is more your speed they've got plenty of that too on Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com, and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, let's deal with uh, the uh, Giants at the Seahawks, uh, the Unfortunately, poor Richie James. This is going to be his game. Uh, two really bad fumbles on punt returns, mounted to ten points for the Seahawks. And it wasn't the complete difference in the game, but it was a massive part of it. 
Yeah, it, it really was. And Seattle, it felt like was was in control of this game for the most part throughout. Um, you know, again, you can't pin it completely on Richie James, but those are killers. I mean, for it to happen yeah. once and then happen again, uh, you know, the second one was was pretty much the death knell. Uh, for the Giants, uh, I think Seattle ended up taking over at like the the Giants' thirty yard line. They immediately get a big play to Noah Fant, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, Kenneth Walker's running it in for a touchdown one play later. And and at that point, you know, it's twenty seven to thirteen with five minutes left. This Giants offense, you know, credit to them for for maximizing what they have. They're not built to come back in those type of situations. No, they're not. Reminded me of the Dallas game with the other game they lost this year. Once they fell behind, you knew they were in trouble. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I mean, again, you got to tip your cap to Gino in this game. Played really, yeah. really well. Uh, you should have had another touchdown on the board yes. uh, to Tyler Lockett, who had a, just a horrible drop in this game. Ended up, you know, kind of repri- or, uh, redeeming himself uh, with a touchdown later on. Looked like I thought it was a really good job by Seattle of almost making a point to give him another opportunity uh, after squandering that first one. You could tell he was, uh, he was feeling it on the bench. I uh, was not happy with himself. Uh, we saw DK Metcalf in this game. I, I think I was on record on Thursday saying I would be shocked if DK Metcalf played. Uh, as it turns yeah. out, you're never going to believe this, Jeff. The Seattle Seahawks may have been a little bit cagey uh, with the actual injury to DK. Right. Yeah. All the, and also, yeah, because we always accuse them of shiny, happy optimism. Like, yeah, yeah. whatever. And, you know, I, I, I'm just as guilty of that. But when Metcalf on Wednesday, he didn't practice, but he participated in the walkthrough and he said all the things that he wanted to play. That should have been our first clue. When the, you know, yeah, sometimes you got to take player optimism in stride, but at the same time, you want that instead of DeAndre Swift saying, "Well, I'm working to see if I can get back or not." You know, it, it's a little bit of a different conversation. Metcalf was pretty adamant he wanted to play, and sure enough, he did. Mm-hmm. I think I saw thirty-seven thousand tweets saying he's built different. Yes, he is. He's a- confirmed. Yes, yes, it is. He is. It's true. Um, obviously, that shrunk up Marquise Goodwin's value a little bit there. I mean, Lockett, you know, he, that drop was hideous. But the funny thing is, he got the redemption. It was He was just as open again. Like, how do you yeah. let that play happen again? You know, it was a nice it, move by Lockett, that's for sure. Um, I guess, yeah. But, yeah, you would, I mean, you would think at that point, uh, after after already getting burned and, and not having to pay for it, um, you know, you'd be a little tighter in that giant secondary. But uh, impressive effort from Seattle. You know, they're at home here. Uh, they were favored. But obviously, the Giants have, have found ways to to, to win you know, pretty much every game except for that Cowboys one. Um, and this one just got away from them. You know, once they go down by two scores, again, they're not built for those type of situations. But I thought they did a good job, you know, despite struggling on offense for virtually the entire first half. They, they did finally tack on a touchdown, um, you know, following a fumble by Seattle deep in their own territory. Um, but other than that, I mean, got really nothing on the offensive end. And uh, on right. the other side... I didn't think I thought Seattle would be able to run the ball in this game. I mean, the, the Giants' defense is really bad against the run in terms of yards per carry. Kenneth Walker was bottled up, and, and even his touchdown run, he had to break a couple tackles on the way there. Eighteen for fifty-one uh, for Kenneth Walker, just one catch on two targets out of the backfield. Didn't really do much with it. Um, so twenty-seven points for Seattle overall. That's fine, uh, but I, I thought this would be a much bigger day for that running game. Yeah, I think the real story of this game was the defense on both sides, and yeah. you know. You know, Daniel Jones, 17 for 31, only 176 yards. Okay, whatever. We expect that. But he only ran six times for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. He got sacked five times. Saquon, 20 for 53. One touchdown, long of 15. Um, and they they bottled him up in the passing game, too. He had five targets. He was only three of nine. You take away that, I mean, what else do you have left in terms of playmakers for the Giants? And they laid that pretty bare. 
Yeah, this Seattle defense, I think we thought might be like really, really bad coming into the year. They have a bunch of young guys, a bunch of rookies who are playing really well in that secondary. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Bobby Wagner's not there. They haven't really felt that maybe quite as much as we thought. Um, you know, that they're just kind of league average across the board. And for for given you know what we thought about this team coming in, that's really good. Um, you know, they they just they find ways to get off the field, um, and they've been really good. I, I think at limiting the bad quarterbacks in the league. And you know, maybe Daniel Jones has emerged. Uh, from that group, at least, but uh, they did everything that they needed to uh, to prevent him. You know, like a, a lot of the ways that the Giants have been able to hang in games and ultimately win late is Daniel Jones converting third downs with his legs. That was not happening in this game. Seattle was well prepared. Yeah, they were. Um, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. Uh, and you know, they, they, this is one of those where okay, you know, that you get give them credit for drafting well and coaching well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just, just turn it on the head. They've got a big game this week at Arizona. I mean, this is a huge divisional game. They're five and three. Yep. Uh, most of their, you know, they've done. They're much stronger defensive unit at home than on the road. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens at Arizona, but uh, this is pretty big. Giants get a, a much needed bye week. They need playmakers. They traded away Kadarius Tony, and you know Tony's deemed healthy this week. I have no idea what happened there in New York, why he didn't fit in New York, but uh, you know, they didn't replace him. They don't, they don't have playmakers. And that's the thing that kind of makes me worried about them going forward. They're six and two, three and one of the uh, six and two, but you know, at the same time, you know, what, what, what's their future for the second half of the season? Yeah, I think they are one of those teams that, you know, we might look back on and say, remember when the Giants started six and one, that was yeah. crazy. And, yeah. you know, they're like a 500 team at the end of the year. I don't think that would shock anybody. I think that's probably closer to their talent level. Uh, it's just simply not sustainable to be winning every one score game, you know, over yeah. the course of a season, that's going to, that's going to kind of smooth itself out. Um, so yeah, I, I still think they're very much, you know, they, they had such a hot start that they're going to be in the playoff mix, no matter what, uh, by default. But, um, you know, I think this, this kind of, this is a chicken in the armor, I think, type of game for New York, where you say, okay, this maybe this is closer to the, the real level of team that this is. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people are gonna, you know, be watching closely to see if they add any talent mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, ironically enough, they'd be a good spot for Elijah Moore, uh, kind of stepping into that role vacated by Kadarius Tony. I too am not really sure what's going on there. I, I this feels like maybe a month from now we get a story, uh, kind of a tell-all in the Athletic uh, or something, where we find out what was really going on. With Kadarius Tony, but uh, you know, punting on a, a former high draft pick like that, uh, you got to have your reasons. Pete Carroll, by the way, fourteen to one to win Coach of the Year. Uh, you know, Sirianni's the heavy favorite right now. Like, if, if the Eagles go like sixteen and one, he's probably going to win it. But I, I think there might be a, an upswell of Pete Carroll momentum coming. And I'll be honest, I thought it was like fourteen to one. He gets fired this year going into the season. So sure, uh, yeah. I- yeah, completely wrong about that one there. I thought Seattle was not just bad, but I thought they were going to be special bad, and they're not that. They're certainly not that. Uh, one last game, Buffalo beating uh, the Packers. Uh, I can see you cringing already, uh, but you know what? I didn't think that I didn't think the Packers played that badly, all things considered. Yeah, I think that you know they rediscovered they have a running game, which was nice to see. It's something they probably yep. should have rediscovered sooner and. They're certainly going to take advantage of, of this week at Detroit. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the Bills did all their damage early and it felt like kind of a cruise in the second half. Yeah, I didn't think Buffalo played all that well in this game. I think Josh Allen would tell you that himself at the you know, interceptions on back-to-back drives. Uh, of course, an Aaron Rodgers interception 
on a tip pass was sandwiched in between there. So it didn't really end up costing Buffalo mm-hmm. all that much. Uh, you know, Green Bay had a chance to make this somewhat interesting. Uh, you know, they, they missed a, a long field goal that would have brought them within a score. And then we were going to get the whole onside kick and all that. But uh, really, this was never a game that felt like it was out of Buffalo's grasp. But I agree with you. I, I thought this could be like a 41 to 10 type of game. And, uh, you know, watching the game with, with some friends here in, in Wisconsin last night, you know, I, I, I threw it out there. Like, I think if Green Bay plays this exact same game, they win the last three weeks. Like, I think if they had played this game against Washington, they win. They play this yeah. game against the Jets, they win. Yeah. Um, maybe against the Giants as well. This was, this was, I, I think, as much, uh, you know, as, as lively as this offense has looked in a while. We saw Aaron Rodgers airing it out uh, to varied degrees of success. You know, great game from Romeo Dobbs, uh, Samari yeah, Touré getting on the pass. action. Whew. Yeah, that was a vintage Rodgers throw. You know, he's moving around in the pocket, yeah. he's spinning around, and he just launches one to Touré. Uh, in the back of the end zone, uh, Robert Tunyon played well as well. So um, I, I, I don't know, like there's even that shot late in the game when it was, it was clear Buffalo was going to win. And there's, you know, the, the camera shows Rogers joking around with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones on the bench. And, you know, part of me is like, okay, you're about to lose. Like, why are you happy? But I also think at the same time, like green Bay maybe feels like they, they figured something out uh, with yeah. this offense. Um, you know, ironically, it's like of all the games to, to pound the run, uh, you know, why, why do it in this one where like, I uh, actually, I was listening, I forget what pod it was this morning, or it might've been a uh, good morning football and NFL network. I think it was Kyle Brandt made the point that he's like, green Bay just felt like they wanted to play not to embarrass themselves. So they were like running out the clock basically in the second yeah, half and they were moving the I ball. But yeah, it, it was basically like, they were just really happy to only lose by 10. And I kind of, I do kind of agree with that uh, coming out of this game, but um, I don't know. I, I still feel like there's a decent amount of optimism around this team, given the circumstances. I mean, it, mm-hmm. the last four weeks have been disastrous, but I, I think Green Bay, uh, you know, being a veteran team that, that's been through, uh, you know, the battles before, I, I do think they feel okay about beating the Lions next week. You know, Rodgers always plays the Cowboys well the week after that. Like, I, I don't think this is completely off the rails yet. I mean, if they lose to Detroit next week, season's probably over. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think they were, they were happy to go in and compete with the Buffalo Bills, which maybe more than anything else just kind of speaks to where the Packers are right now. But I mean, again, you, you know, the NFL is just getting into the playoffs, right? I mean, yeah. and then seeing what happens. And the fact is, NFL, the uh, NFC wildcard spots are still gettable. Uh, Tampa Bay is gettable. three and five. The Rams are three and four. Uh, there, there's some, you know, even San Francisco's four and four. I mean, they're, you know, they're not prohibitively ahead. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Vikings, I mean, they've, they've got a pretty good, uh, you know, extremely high chance of winning the division. The division might be hard to pull off. Oh, they still do yeah. get to host the uh, Vikings later. The Vikings have all these road games coming up later on, but still, I mean, yeah, they, they, they can find them. It seems like they found themselves a little bit. They do always, you know, they're always running the play clock down. Even when it's mm-hmm. not Buffalo, they're a team that snaps it with like five seconds left on the play clock yeah. all the time. Uh, but yeah, you're, there was a lack of urgency, but they also, they lost a touchdown on that pretty sketchy OPI on Tunyon. I mean, yeah, that turned into a field goal instead. They had a fourth down where they didn't convert. I mean, there were things that were there. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, and I, I think Buffalo kind of put it into the storage in the second half a little bit there yep. too. Uh, they got James Cook some carries. Uh, Cook, Cook actually looks pretty good. He got that one forty-one yard catch. Yeah, uh, he he looks like he can play. I, I was a desperation flex play for me in one of my leagues, but because of injuries and buys, uh, right. didn't wasn't great, but still. I got some points. I got eight points out of it. So there's that. Yeah, I, I think in that spot, you, you got to be happy with that. Um, I mean, A.J. Dillon, 10 carries for 54 yards. I thought this was his best game of the year. 
which again speaks to how disappointing he's been, but he, he looked like mm-hmm. he was running uh, with a little bit more behind him at a 27 yarder. Uh, that's his longest run of the year. Uh, Aaron Jones looked amazing in this game. I mean, this was, yeah. this was a, a really impressive game against a great defense by Aaron Jones. Uh, Jair Alexander, extremely fired up. I, it feels like he's becoming like the next Jalen Ramsey uh, with all like, I mean, he was going way yeah. out of his way uh, to trash talks to Von Diggs the entire night. Uh, just kind of unpackers. Like Packers have not really had guys that do that uh, in the past. So, you know, some good, some bad, obviously you lose the game. Um, you know, Quay Walker was ejected uh, in this game for getting into it uh, with some bills on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a frisky Packers team. I, I think even though it felt like they, they came into this game with no chance to win, um, yeah, I, I, ultimately I somehow feel better about the Packers after another loss, uh, than I did going into the week. I think that's appropriate. I mean, Alexander didn't shut down Diggs, by the way, six for one Oh eight and a touchdown. He did just fine. Eight targets there. Maybe he didn't get as many targets as he would have otherwise. Cause Alexander was on him at times, but yeah, yeah I thought the ejection was a little overly over the top. It's just yeah. a shove. Uh, but I guess you just can't do that, especially cause the guy he shoved was just trying to help him up. Um, and I don't know. It's just, that was a weird play. Just maybe there's some verbiage there that I didn't catch, but you know, and that maybe had something to do with it, but it was, it was a little weird anyways, but anyhow, get well game coming up at Detroit should be a get well game. I mean, Detroit's always been frisky at home against them. So we'll see, but and Detroit's equally desperate. Uh, Buffalo. Meanwhile, on the on the road at the jets, uh, poor Zach Wilson. Yeah, this is a, a tough two game stretch here for Zach yeah. Wilson, really a three game stretch. I mean, they come out of that win against Denver, uh, that game against Denver with a win, but uh, that was a, a brutal test for him. And yeah, I think if you're the bills, you're, you're looking at your chops looking ahead to this matchup and uh, quietly a pretty fun game against the Vikings two weeks from now, you know, you'd yeah. expect Buffalo to take care of business at the jets, but uh, I mean, that could be, that could be a, you know, a pair of one loss teams at that point, yeah. uh, depending on, on whether or not Minnesota, I was able to get a win uh, against the commanders. You know, the Buffalo, I mean, they're, they're six and one. They have this great schedule uh, at the Rams to start the season, a, a division winner in the number one seed, the Titans in week two, uh, the Ravens, they go and beat the Ravens at the, at, yeah. at Baltimore. Uh, they beat, they beat the chiefs at Kansas city. They beat the Packers. They've got the Vikings coming up. They got a Bengals mm-hmm. game coming up. I mean, this is, that's also on the road. I mean, they could beat like all the viable contenders in the AFC. Uh, which yeah. is pretty darn impressive. I mean, this is, I mean, they're just a legit awesome team. They really are. And, you know, I mean, that, that Dolphins game is going to go down as, as, you know, maybe the lone blemish on this resume because, you know, again, you feel really good about their chances to beat the Jets. You know, that Vikings mm-hmm. game won't be easy, but they'll, they'll be heavy favorites at home. Uh, you get the, you know, the pre Deshaun Watson Browns, uh, the, they'll dominate the Lions uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, you know, Patriots never going to be an easy game, but uh, they, they play the Dolphins again and then they play the Bengals in week 17. I mean, there's with how good the bills are, like they're the type of team that I just don't really worry about having letdowns against the bad teams. Um, I mean, it's the path to 16 and one is, is very much there for Buffalo. Yeah. Now the question is, will they be in a place there where they don't need it, you know, and they maybe take, uh, yeah. but then again, likely. do you think they're going to let up against the Pats in week 18? They're not going to want to do that at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to want to murder death, kill them. But uh, well, well, and you know, it depends too on like if Kansas City is keeping pace, like you want that one seed in yeah, the AFC. Super so, like, vitally I mean, important. It, they know that more than really, anybody. Like they, yeah. You might need to get to 15 or 16 wins, uh, depending on what ha- what happens with KC. And yeah, I, I, I get that feeling too, that Buffalo is that they're still kind of young enough in their, their come up as a franchise that they, I, I think they want these statement games, right? I mean, how many times has New England had that exact game against them? You know, I, I think there's, you and know, rub their nose into the turf too. Right, Absolutely. exactly. 
this is not going to be the Peyton Manning Colts, you know, where it's like, all right, you know, let's get, get some rest and we're, we're just playing for the playoffs. Like, I think this is a team that thrives on, you know, kind of that week to week momentum and just beating teams up. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. One more game left on the schedule. Bengals and Browns. We'll see what happens tonight. Didn't go whole reaction podcast and didn't even mm-hmm. get to cover my team. So we'll find out. Uh, we'll be watching the, uh, watching the game while broadcasting a Sirius XM tonight. Uh, 8 to 10 Eastern time. Make sure to check us out Monday through Thursday on that on the channel. Alan will have my back on Thursday. I'll be traveling that day, but uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we got Jake and Joe on the free agent podcast tomorrow, and I've got Davis Maddock joining me on Wednesday for the industry guest podcast on Wednesday. So big thanks to you guys for chiming in the chat. Appreciate everybody for listening and uh, have a great day. Good luck in the, the, in the Monday night game if you have any action going in that game. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.